Hey everybody, this is Stu. Uh, I just wanted to put a little bit of a warning out there. Uh, this is our Halloween episode, so we're going to get into some dark topics. Uh, some of the things we're going to cover are uh, suicide and sexual violence and graphic violence as well. Uh, if you would like to avoid any of those conversations but still listen to this episode, I would recommend popping on over to our YouTube. That's going to have timestamps on there that's going to help you avoid certain topics. And with that, enjoy our Halloween episode of Battle School Dropouts. Welcome, everybody, to an extra spooky episode of Battle School Dropouts, where we watch six episodes of a scary anime and uh, do this voiceover it the whole time. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but we are going to talk about a show today. Uh, I'm Stu. And I'm Bakary. I have a I have a seed pod rattle that was supposed to sound like bones, but I don't think it really uh, don't think it really landed. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, well, we, uh, listen, for everybody at home, if you want to imagine what's going on here, uh, I'm surrounded by skeletons. Yes. Just loads of them. Yeah. Just oodles of skeletons. As am I. I have a skeleton in the kitchen. He's just hanging from the light fixture. Yeah, you do actually have a skeleton. No, that's very true. Place. Like yeah, every once yeah. in a while, someone will like they'll like the property managers will come send somebody out to like fix something, or like a, a DoorDash person will show up and like you know every time that's all they can look at. It's just like yeah, there's just 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 a skeleton in the kitchen, and we've all just gotten used to it. I forget it's there most of the time. <laughs> once in a while, I'll be cooking and I'll like bump my head into its foot, but it's fine. <laughs> Well, so to celebrate the the coming of uh, I can't you, nobody can remember the name, but whatever scary holiday is coming up, um, we are going to be talking about the first six episodes of the Junji Ito collection. Yep, it's it's the best horror anime out there that we could think of. Yep, um, it, it's yeah. I mean, this show's got a pretty uh, negative. Re- uh, reception at this point, but I, I want to talk about it because uh, I'm a huge Junji Ito fan. I know you're a fan as well, uh-huh. so it just seemed like the most exciting thing to talk about in our first Halloween episode. Yeah. Yeah, but before we get into any of that, uh, Bakary, how are you doing? I'm, uh, I'm, I'm doing pretty good. I feel like I mean, the election's, you know, two weeks away, but whatever. Like, the, the I, I feel like this is the first time in a while that, like, the, the how are you question isn't, isn't answered by, like, well, half the state's on fire, or, like, you know, well, <laughs> you know, police, is, the police are committing war crimes or any of that shit. It's just like, yeah, you know, <laughs> same old shit, still working from home, still just vibing in the apocalypse. How are you doing? Yeah, I mean, vibing in the apocalypse sounds about right. Yeah, it's... A pretty disheartening kind of seeing what's going on with like the election coming up and just like our our only defense is a senile old man who can defeat this other senile old man. <laughs> our senile old man is maybe less fascist, but also set up like the prison system that we have today. So I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I'm yeah. Sad. It's not it's not a great choice either way. But um, listen. You know why you want to know why we really got to get Donald Trump out of office is so dipshit liberals will stop making Cheeto jokes. I'm so sick of it. (laughs) If I have to hear Commander in Cheeto one more time, I'm just going to fucking. He's orange. Don't you get it? Yeah. 
It's because he's orange and Cheetos are also orange. And Cheetos are delicious and don't deserve this slander. (laughs) They're great. You got got regular Cheetos, Cheetos Puffs. You got Flamin' Hot Cheetos, Flamin' Hot Cheetos Limon. You can take those Flamin' Hot Cheetos. You can crumple them up over some fucking poke. It's all great. Cheetos don't deserve this. Yeah, yeah, no, they. I gotta figure their sales have been down for a little while. Gotta be. Yeah, yeah. No. It's like it's like how you know coronavirus <laughs> news started and people stopped buying Corona beer. That's oh, I forget. That feels like a million years ago, <laughs> and we're still in coronavirus. We're time. still in like, the same year. <laughs> this is the longest year of my entire life. Wait, this I was is insane. I was talking about this the other day. Like, remember the end of 2019 where everybody's like. Oh, fuck, that was a tough year. God, thank God that's over. 2020, though, new decade, new me. We're doing it big. We're doing it right. And then, <laughs> and then everything. Wait, God, if only things were as simple as 2019 was. No, we talked about it, and I, I think it was episode one or two, where it's just like, we like 2020 was like, we're going to record this podcast. Like, well, this is our year. Like, this yeah. is the, like, battle school dropouts. It's coming. It's yeah. like... Uh, so, hey, like, we can't record for a little while. We got to figure out this, like, long distance thing. We got to figure out what's going on. Like, fuck this year. Long distance relationships are so hard. Yeah. Long distance podcast relationships. I don't understand how people maintain them. Yeah. You know, it's (laughs) like Skype sex is cool, but it's just not the same. It's not. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My girlfriend doesn't listen to this podcast. Is yours? (laughs) Uh, She does. Yeah. And she only listens usually to the beginning part where we just talk, where we hang out. So she's hearing all this. Perfect. (laughs) I I don't know. I mean, maybe this is too personal, so I'll cut it out. But like it is, uh, it is really frustrating. Like we, we hit our one year anniversary in July. Yeah. It's like. I, I was in a long distance relationship prior to this relationship and oh. like it it really kind of sucks sometimes where it's just like I want to be with this person and I can't and when I started dating my current girlfriend it's like yes like we're together all the time this is so cool and then coronavirus happens and I'm like oh so I'm in a long distance relationship <laughs> yeah she lives like <sighs> you know not that far away but I mean what good does that do you yeah that's yeah. rough and we get I mean, at least I don't have to get on like an airplane to go see her or something, but sure. it's still, ugh. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's a, that's a real bummer. Yeah. So if anything's the true actual horror element of this year, it's not Jinji Ito or anything like that. It's just fucking existing now. The real monster the whole time was loneliness. <laughs> <laughs> Well, in order to combat loneliness, uh, you been playing any video games or uh, watching anything good lately? You know what? Um, so I remember uh, a couple episodes ago now where I was talking about how much uh, Bayonetta I was playing. I mm-hmm. basically took that and transferred all that energy into Devil May Cry 5. I've been playing that game every oh, chance I get. Uh, it's just a, it's just a fever. I got to sweat out and, uh, it's, it's still going strong. I adore that game to bits. It's just the best. Yeah. Are you like playing it on the harder difficulties now or are you still just kind of getting the hang of things? Oh no. Yeah. I've beaten it on. So I never played the, so, so, um, the normal mode is called human and then it goes like hard mode is uh devil hunter and then son of Sparta Dante must die and then heaven or hell and then hell or hell. And I am, I beaten, I never even played normal. I played hard mode and then extra hard mode. And now I'm on Dante must die mode. Um, 
So yeah, I've, I've, I've beaten it three times or no, I've beaten it. <laughs> I've beaten it twice and I'm on my third time beating it right now. Is Dante must die mode the mode where you die in one hit? No, that's heaven or hell, I think, or hell or hell. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, actually like what I've been spending a lot of my time playing devil may cry doing is not even playing the story mode. I've been playing, um, I've been playing bloody palace, which is basically just like a raw beat em up version of devil may cry. Like there's no levels, no story, no nothing. It's just like, it's 101 levels of like beating the shit out of enemies. It just drops you in a room and it's like, here's the enemies, go get them. And then you beat Ooh. them and you go through a door and you're onto the next one. That's just, it's all it is. And it's, it's wonderful. Okay. It's a great time. Yeah, yeah. I, I feel like previous Devil May Cry games have had like that, you know, climb the Tower of God, so to speak, by killing all these demons and shit. Yeah. And I there's think, like a boss fight every 10 or something like that. You uh, know? In this one, it's every 20. I think I think the first one to do it was, I don't think Devil May Cry 1 did it and 2 probably didn't either. So I think it was 3 that was like the, the first one that implemented Bloody Palace. But yeah, it's like every mm. every like, so, you know. 410 is like kind of tough, 420 is a boss, 430 is like pretty tough, 440 is a boss, etc. Like every 10 floors is like a challenge, but like the every every 20 floors is where you actually have to fight a boss. Right. Yeah. And I I only I didn't play much of 5, but I remember the boss fights being it seems like once you get the hang of it it's not too bad. But prior to that, ooh boy. Uh, yeah, like some of the bosses are pretty pretty easy. Like the first one you fight is Goliath, and he's just he's just a big dude, and all he does is like swing and like occasionally spit a fireball at you, and he's perfectly fine. Um, later on, though, like you definitely get to some bosses that are like kind of tricky if you don't have them figured out. So like what 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 is nice about I think this this might have been a feature in the in the previous ones I can't remember, but um. In five, at least, there's a warm-up mode. So if you've gotten to a floor, you don't have to have beaten it, but if you've gotten to a, a floor previously in a previous run, uh, you can you can go to just that floor, like in the warm-up mode, and just like do it again and again, like practice it. Um, so the cavalier oh, boss, nice. the cavalier boss was kicking my ass. He's like, a, he's just a big dude with a sword, but he hurts like a, he just hits like a truck. And um, yeah, that was giving me some troubles. And now I can just style on that dude like effortlessly. <laughs> It's it's a well, really actually, it's a really satisfying feeling doing that, you know. Oh, hundred percent, and mm-hmm. that's got to be uh, helpful. Like if you actually want to like beat the campaign on the hardest difficulty, oh, like yeah. just knowing how to just beat the shit out of any boss is it, really helpful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like it, people people call like people who aren't very familiar with the series call Devil May Cry like a button masher game, but like that is far more like knowledge about the game's mechanics and the enemies than it is, you know, your ability to press buttons fast and, and, you know, in a coordinated manner. Like if you know how an enemy works and like where they're vulnerable and how they're going to attack and stuff like that, you can, you can show off like crazy because you know where, like where you're going to be safe. Yeah. Cause there's, there's absolutely a difference between somebody who is playing Bayonetta and, uh, is just mashing buttons, which is what I do a lot of the time, <laughs> and somebody who actually knows what's going on. Yeah. Like, uh, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance is, like, the only spectacle fighter that I've played, like, a ton of mm-hmm. that I really understand a lot of the mechanics in and out. And that's, like, I play it so differently than how I play Devil May Cry or... Um, Bayonetta, but it's it's bad because I think I understand those games on the same level. And then I, I like I went and played Devil May Cry three the other day, and mm. I died on like the second like second level first room. Just like really, 
Like, these are just basic dudes. Why did he explode? <laughs> and I lose? DMC3 oh. is tough. Like, it was um, 4 and, like, more so 5, like, have a lot of um, quality of life features that, that 3 doesn't really have. So I, I totally see how you, how that could happen. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I remember getting into 3 because it was like, I heard it was a difficult game. So it was like one of my early chances to prove that I'm a real gamer. I can do <laughs> tough game stuff and it wasn't that i beat the game but that i got farther than my friends did so there, that works that's that's my accomplishment that's still bragging rights <laughs> yeah uh apparently i i read that um so devil may cry 2 happened and it was horrible it's a, it is an awful yep. awful game nothing like the rest of the series and um People like a lot of people's big complaint about it, I guess, was that the the game as a whole is just really, really easy. And it is like you can beat 90 percent of Devil May Cry 2 by just holding square, like hold yep. square and occasionally pop double trigger. And so I guess what the devs over there at Capcom got a little salty about people saying their game was too easy. So for the American release of Devil May Cry 3, um, the normal mode is actually hard mode. Yep. Like they they Ooh. upped it one difficulty level because they were like, you guys want a real real challenge? Here you go. <laughs> like you, you very know, spiteful. Fun fact: um, I've I've played every single Devil May Cry game. Yeah. Two is the only one I've beaten all the way through. Well, I mean, it's like two hours long. This. <laughs> yeah. And it was incoherent, and it's yeah. I beat the last boss by holding down square and standing in a position that he couldn't hit me. Uh huh. That's that's. Yep. I mean, so like that is an option all the time, but sometimes you don't even have another option. Like the fucking helicopter boss fight. What are you going to do but just hold square? There's mm-hmm. there's nothing you can <laughs> do but just shoot your guns until it runs out of health. Well, and that that game, like, it, it's so much more than just, like, it's difficulty. Like, I remember playing through it, and it just, like, the cutscenes are incoherent. It's like half of them were missing. Yeah. And then uh, the camera angles, because it was, like, a fixed camera game, uh-huh. um, are terrible. Like, there are just times where it's, like, I'm behind something. I'm, like, I have no idea where I am, and the camera won't change. Uh-huh. Like, what am I doing? It's funny because, like, it, it did have so, like, I really liked the wall running mechanic. I thought that was really neat. It was, like, next to useless, but, like, I was I was happy that it was in the game. Because that's, that's, like, that's a very cool guy thing to do, to run on a wall. And Dante's a cool guy, <laughs> you know? Like, there's just certain actions that's, uh, that a person can do, and I see it happen, and I'm like, that's sick. Like, if you jump out of an aircraft with, like, a snowboard strapped to your feet, and you're doing cool aerial maneuvers while free-falling from several thousand feet up, that's sick as shit. That is the coolest thing a person can do with their body. Like Dante, Dante is very much like a, like how cool can we make this character kind of character? So like, I felt like devil may cry Two had some interesting ideas in that regard. And then because it was so goddamn awful, uh, Itsuno and the gang were like, Nope, we're not going to implement any of this ever again. Sorry. Ah, yeah. Yeah. I, well, I mean, you remember more of the good stuff than I do. I played it. I think when I was like, I'm going to say like, somewhere between 12 and 14. And oh, okay. I, I, I remember beating it because it was a game that was av- available and not because I loved it or something. Right. <laughs> I actually I actually beat Devil May Cry. Or I, I played one through three like a couple of years ago. Mm. So pretty fresh. <laughs> um, okay. Honestly, I kind of like I kind of like one better than three, like personally. 
I could, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 like I said, I played all of them. I never like beat them by any means. Oh, sure, uh, sure. The first one I got most, like a bunch of them, it's like uh, three and one I got really far in. Two I beat. Four, you have to fight Dante at one point, and I was convinced that that fight's impossible. So, and then I played a little bit of five, but that's that's the extent of my devil may cry knowledge oh i just uh you know funny actually i went and beat <laughs> i went and beat devil may cry 4 one time uh a couple weeks ago just because uh my, my <laughs> girlfriend was using the tv and i just needed to get some devil may cry in and while i don't have dmc5 <laughs> on my pc i do have dmc4 so i, I booted that mm. up uh after that fight where you fight dante like you're you're close to the end um what happens is very shortly afterwards, anyway, you end up taking control of Dante and having to go backwards through the rest of the game or through through the entirety of the game that you have just played. You just go backwards through it. Um, and there's some new bosses and stuff like that, but it's like the same exact levels you've been through. So like DMC five or four gets like a bit less interesting halfway through, I'd say. Why well, I'm glad I could play through the interesting parts then. <laughs> yeah, so like in in the same way that Death Note is only 26 episodes long, like yeah, I'll I'll give you it. You you, you pretty much beat DMC four. <laughs> well, you know I couldn't beat the last boss, Dante. So what am I supposed to do? <laughs> Close enough. I'll I'll give it to you. <laughs> uh, but yeah, what have you been up to? Uh, what have I been up to? I've been so. I've been playing kind of the same games that I was playing uh, previously. So some Left 4 Dead, some uh, Monster Train. But uh, because it's Halloween time, mm-hmm. I, I there was a game that popped up um, called Lust from Beyond Scarlet. And I'm like, well, I'm hentai pizza lord on Twitter. Like my, my enjoyment of... Uh, hentai and pornography is not hidden from anybody. I was going to so say, was like, is okay. that like a Bible black thing? Well, so I didn't actually really, I knew it was horror and that it like, there was like a boob on the cover. So I was like, okay, this seems like the the time to play this. Yeah. It sounds like you're so a I, I jumped into that one. Um, it, it was a free, so it's a free demo on steam, but before you're like, Oh, a scary game on steam. That's free. I got to play it. Um, Big fucking trigger warning on this game. Maybe one of the most like shocking horror games I've played in a long time. Oh. Like, like, not that anything that happens in it is so like, oh my god, like I can't believe it, but just like there's a lot of violence and also sexual themes combined, and it's like, oh, oh, this is really fucking intense. Yeah. That that sounds yeah. like a real trip. Yeah, and I'm I I like uh because I've never had anything bad happen to me before. Uh, I like uh, like sh- schlocky, shocking stuff. So like, you know, terrible horror movies and even um, like, I really like uh, shocking anime and stuff like that. Oh yeah, you know, same. That's, that's just kind of there. Like, here's a part where a guy gets ripped in half and it's really, you know, terrible. Like uh, there's Violence Jack, there's Devil Man, all that jazz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this, this still, I was like, mm, this is this is a bit uncomfortable. Oh man! But but it's kind of stuck with me. Like it's obviously it's not for everybody, but it it is so like I don't know, like creepy in a way. Like the fact that it is like such an adult themed horror game that like I I keep thinking about it a lot. So it's by no means great, but. If you're like me and you like really shocking stuff, it might be worth checking out. Okay. 
Uh, mm. You you unsold me pretty fast, and then you resold me with the with the shocking anime stuff because I'm I'm also very much like if you if you can't make something with like actual artistic merit, that's fine. Just like then you just gotta go nuts. Like give me the most stupid, shocking, yeah. like gratuitous shit possible, and I'll be happy. Yeah, it, there's a lot of just so like oh oh my god, what is this? That <laughs> it's, um, but uh, the premise of the game is that you are this guy who's been having really weird dreams and you're also like a sex addict. Okay. And you are picked up by this uh, this person who like basically kidnaps you into this cult and is like, uh, we're gonna make you do drugs and then we're gonna make you have sex with somebody and then it's gonna teleport you to this other like Cthulhu world and you have to survive the Cthulhu world and get us what we want from that world. Okay. And it's it's yeah, and it's it's creepy and it's weird and they don't sh- you there's a censored mode and an uncensored mode and I played the uncensored mode and I was like, oh this is this is a bit much this is more <laughs> than your average Steam game so is is this like a what what genre is this in is this like a is like a puzzle game a visual novel like what's the what's the deal I hesitate to say uh, survival horror but it's it's kind of like. Um, Games like Outlast or Alien Isolation, where you're like, it's a first person game and you're just trying to like uh, avoid getting killed and avoid monsters and things like that. Okay. Like uh, Amnesia the Dark Descent or something like that. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. There's even like a sanity meter and stuff like that. Oh, okay. It's a very, very adult themed uh, (laughs) uh, amnesia. Gotcha. But it's it's I'm not I'm not by any means saying it's great, but it's like the most like whoa oh I can't believe they're doing this that I've I've experienced in a while, especially from like a video game. Right. That that can be fun. That sounds like a good time. Yeah, yeah. If you're in, if you're in a good place, maybe check it out. It is <laughs> it is kind of spooky. I was like kind of on the edge of my seat. Like it was like the most uncomfortable I felt in a horror game in a while. Oh shit. Okay. I mean, if it got it like any like an emotional reaction out of you besides like, you know, I guess disgust for the game itself, like that's that's probably a good thing. Yeah, and it's and it's again, I don't I don't wanna like sugarcoat it or anything. Like it's got some real fucked up scenes. Oh in sure, it, but sure, sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that's really like the that's the, the video game I've played that's like stuck with me the most. And then, and then I jump back over to Monster Train where it's like, oh here's cute little sounds and there's like a, a merchant, but he's like a robot cat. So that's cute. That and robot so cats are very cute. <laughs> I, I live in these like two extremes where it's like, I either want to play this like kind of cute fun game or I want to see the most like perverse fucked up thing I've ever seen. <laughs> You get get two extremes, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I've I've been on like a kick uh, outside of this weird horror game I played. Mm-hmm. I've uh, been on this kick where I'm like every like I want to feel accomplished in playing a video game. Yeah. So um, our friend Anthony got really far in Monster Train, and I am trying to get as far as he did. Oh, how's so that there's going? like every time you win. You you go up uh, with like basically a level. It's called Covenants, uh-huh. and I'm on level seven. This motherfucker is on twenty or has beaten twenty five, and is like playing with all these other add-ons. And I'm like, <laughs> Son of a bitch! I gotta catch up. That that dude goes hard on roguelikes. Like I was telling him about the game Hades that came out not long ago, 
and um, he picked it up, and like I beat Hades once, and I tried a few more times, and I was like, man, that's that's it's real tough still. Like I beat it the one time, but I just had a really good build, and like just today he was like, yeah, I cleared it in twenty one minutes. I've beaten it ten times. Like okay, like he picked it up like a week ago or something. He's just that's just Damn. his specialty is is surpassing people. <laughs> yeah, just going fucking hard on video games. See, yeah. now, I'm, now I'm taking L's from two different angles, because I still... I've been trying to get Sonic Generations to run on my PC again, but <laughs> for some reason, I can't map... I can't remap the buttons, and the fucking... The drift button doesn't work. It's just not happening. What? Yeah, it's just everything else works perfectly fine, but I can't drift, and as you know, that's very important for the 3D Sonic segments, so yeah <laughs> yeah oh absolutely so like it, it doesn't even work with like a controller or anything no no i've tried multiple controllers it does not work well guess who's keeping the green hill zone record <laughs> all right one day i'm gonna buy a whole new computer for this i i can't re- <laughs> that'd be so good <laughs> like you just got this new computer just trash it and it's like i gotta fucking play son generation <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna get a new computer and i'm gonna beat your score on green hill and then i'm gonna throw that new computer off the roof because it served its purpose <laughs> i for i guess for anybody i can't remember if we brought it up on the podcast or not but like you and i had this idea of let speed run Sonic Generations, yeah. and it just turned into us competing for very minor, like, time increases on the first level. <laughs> yeah, well, because, like, we learned the route for the first level, and we kind of had that down, um, and then it's like, you get to the next one, and there's all these fancy, like, out-of-bounds tricks and stuff like that, and it's like, uh, I'm just gonna go run the first one again, because that one made me feel like I accomplished <laughs> something, and this one makes me feel bad. And then you, mm-hmm. just, you just keep doing that. Fuck Chemical Plant. Oh fuck, Chemical Plant! Oh, I hate, I hate Chemical Plant. I'm gonna chemical say Chemical Plant it. involves you doing a fucking light dash, and I can't fucking do. It is so inconsistent. I hate it. Light, light dashes. That's always been the bane of a Sonic player's existence for since they were introduced in Sonic Adventure. The light dash <laughs> has never been implemented particularly well. And you know what? I'm gonna say it. I'm gonna say it. Chemical Plant. That song's kind of overrated. Oh shit! Not even, not even the best one in Sonic Two. Thrown down the fucking gauntlet, yeah. dude. Just gotta say, people, people gas up Chemical Plant like it's the best one. It's not even, <laughs> it's not even the best second stage music in in a Sonic game. I think both Marble Zone and Hydro City Zone beat that. So, no, maybe <laughs> there might be one other Sonic fan who listens to this, and I don't know if they'll take offense to it. I'm I'm excited for when our podcast hits a level where you can say something about Sonic and people just come fucking after you. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's my it is my fate it is my destiny to get canceled over Sonic the Hedgehog and it has to happen. <laughs> I have gotten zero death threats. I have gotten zero like you know people. I, I have never even gotten blocked on a social social media site. For my opinions on Sonic, and that's not okay. I deserve that. It's my right. <laughs> yeah, no, there needs to be some obscure uh, Sonic forum that just has a fucking Bakery from Battle School Dropouts is a fucking piece of shit, yeah. you know? <laughs> and Stu said that Knuckles is just cool Sonic, so we gotta fucking stop these men. Oh, hey, what? Listen. <laughs> Listen. Knuckles 
is extremely cool, but he's not just cool Sonic. All right. He's got his whole other thing going on. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I get it. He's red. He is red. And he's a <laughs> and he's a marsupial, whereas I think hedgehogs are rodents. I think, I'm pretty sure. Mm. I think you rodents. are the only person qualified to answer that question. If oh, you don't know it, God. I don't know it. I'd listen. There's very little like real world science or logic that goes into the world of Sonic the Hedgehog. You got to understand. I, I find that hard to believe. You know what? Uh, I actually found out there was there was a lore doctrine written for Sonic back in mm-hmm. I think ninety two. And uh, somebody basically like took the first game and wrote like uh, uh, you know a story behind it, like why it was the way it was. And in that, Sonic's real name was Sonny, and he couldn't actually run fast, and he was just a he was part of a family of hedgehogs. Uh, who and his dad ended up dying because of pollution, and they lived yep. in behind like in the dumpster area of a fast food restaurant, which is why he was so into chili dogs. And Doctor Robotnik ends up, <laughs> or as he was known at the time, Doctor Kintobor. It's Robotnik backwards. Uh, ends, <laughs> oh, I didn't even put that together. Yeah, he ends up being Sonic's, like, uh, father figure. And together, they're trying to, like, end pollution or something by using the Chaos Emeralds, which are these <laughs> these embodiments of all of mankind's, like, evilness and, like, grossness all, and stuff. Like All their negative emotions or something like that. Pretty yeah. much. Like, it's all the stuff that makes us, you know, be shitty to our planet and stuff. And they were going to use that. But instead, Dr. Robotnik ends up absorbing some of the power from the Chaos Emeralds and some of that evil and all, in the process becomes, like, fused with an egg and becomes <laughs> Dr. Robotnik the Eggman. And now Sonic has to fight his his once his once father figure it's like a big tragic uh i don't know hamlet type story where sonic has to fight his old father figure so that he can save the planet and um it's just a complete fever dream it's like a 13 page doc on the the canon of sonic the hedgehog written by some <laughs> I, I think it was an employee of sega of america and yeah, um yeah i think i, th- I that sounds right yeah, yeah. But I mean, let's let's be real. If you play the original Sonic, you probably got most of that anyway. So Well, yeah, I mean, it's all there in the text, yeah. you know. You just got to dig for it a little bit. Read all the item descriptions, you know. There's a lot of cutscenes that people skip over in the original Sonic that explains all of this lore. Yeah, I mean, if you're paying attention, it's pretty obvious. That's that's always the thing that's really interesting to me about like Sonic. Like Sonic and Mario get a lot of comparisons cuz like of the Sega Nintendo war and all that. But like they are so different in terms of like their fan base and their lore. Like I can't tell you anything really about Mario's backstory other than like he's a plumber, but just through like cultural osmosis, I know so many fucking weird Sonic facts. <laughs> you know like yeah, he was a werewolf and yeah, there's a silver one and he has psychic powers and can throw like restaurant chairs at you. Like I know so much more about that world. I mean, well, I mean that's just like but it's so silver. fucking He's, weird. Silver is a very important part of the Sonic universe, you understand. He's like in, yeah, especially in Sonic 06, yeah. Oh, especially in Sonic 06, yeah. He's like he's he is the Sonic version of um there's a lot of Sonic Dragon Ball Z comparisons and I think that's very fair considering <laughs> considering, you know, the Sonic to Supersonic transformations and things like that. But uh, tr- uh Silver is very much the trunks of the of the Sonic universe. Yeah. You know, he like comes from an alternate future to to save this world and Sonic don't trust him at first, but then then they're buds. 
<laughs> now, the only thing that was really missing in Sonic 06 was that so uh, Silver doesn't show up and like kill Frieza or something. You know, like that's what that that needed. That, yeah, Silver should have shown up and just just uh, eviscerated Dr. Robotnik, cut him up into a bunch of bloody little pieces <laughs> and then evaporated those pieces uh, and then introduced himself. Um, but he doesn't do that. And that is a problem. Do any of the hedgehogs use weapons? I, I know like uh, Shadow obviously uses guns, but like, does anybody use like swords or weapons or uh, anything like that? Sonic does in Sonic and the Black Knight, which isn't really canon. Uh, if you want to look at the comic <laughs> series, if you want to look at the comic series, there is a Robin Hood knockoff oh, character. Uh, there's a Robin Hood knockoff character called Rob of the Hedge. Like, Rob, O apostrophe, the Hedge. Um, mm. And he uses a bow, <laughs> as I recall. Uh, other than that, I can't think of any. There's the yeah, Shadow with the gun, Sonic with the sword, and then Rob of the Hedge with the bow. Now, let me let me ask you a couple more questions here. Because um, I've been listening to, because again, we're in the scary month. I've been listening to, I've been watching horror movies. I've been listening to My Chemical Romance. Hell yeah. So I got, quest I got questions about my uh, favorite character, Shadow the Hedgehog. Of course. Uh, question one, is he fast? Uh, yeah, Shadow the Hedgehog is about as fast as Sonic, yeah. Really, okay. Um, why does he use guns? Um... Well, you see, there's a... Uh, so, all right. So in okay, Sonic, and why doesn't Sonic use guns? Well, because Sonic, also. that's not that's just not Sonic's style. And listen, here's the thing. Okay. So in Shadow the Hedgehog, wherein Shadow uses guns, um, or I guess we should rewind. In Sonic Adventure 2, the there's only one, one type of bad guy, and it's, it's robots. You've either got Dr. Eggman's robots, or you've got the robots from the agency Gun, which is a military, uh, a police military contractor, I believe. Um, and th those are pretty easy to take out with their usual homing attacks, spin dashes, things of that sort. Shadow the Hedgehog, however, in, uh, introduces aliens. And now you have gun robots and Whoa. aliens. So there's just a whole lot more that Shadow's got to deal with. Um, oh, so shit. I think, yeah. And, and like before, Shadow's mission in Sonic Adventure 2 is strictly to gather the Chaos Emeralds uh, so that they can power up the arc and use the cannon to blow up the moon. Uh, in Shadow the Hedgehog, it's a much more of like a vengeance quest uh, kind of thing. So I guess okay. depending on the route that you choose. There are, 10, there are 10 separate endings and 356 different routes that you can use to get to those different endings. I'm not making that number up. Uh, in the Shadow the Hedgehog game? In Shadow the Hedgehog, yeah. Wait, who made this fucking Telltale? I don't know. I I mean, I what? should know who made that. I mean, I don't. Maybe it was Sonic Team. I don't think it was Yuji Naka. Um, that just seems bizarre. Yeah, what? every every combination of routes that you can use has its own name and its own like special route. So in order to hundred percent Shadow the Hedgehog, you need to beat it at least three hundred and fifty six times, at least. It would take you a year to do if you did it every day. Yeah. Yeah, just about. It would take you a little over at. Oh my god. Uh, a little under that, I think. That What? If okay. I'm if I'm remembering the number of days in a year, which that's a big if. I thought it was 352. It's 365, I think. In a year. Oh boy. We are dude, oh. we are those fucking 
We are those fucking. We're the uh, Davinci guys. No, we're the Davinci guys. We're the. We're the podcast equivalent of the Davinci guys. We were just arguing why planet comes after Mars, and now this. Yeah, yeah. Preview for the Space Brothers episode coming out like next week. We we don't know the order, or at least I don't know the order of the planets in our solar system. (laughs) Fuck. This is truly upsetting. This is this is like like first graders know this, Stu. Yeah. They they can answer yeah. both of those questions for us. I'm pretty sure though. I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to hang my hat on this one. I'll die on this hill. I'm pretty sure this Oh, you're fucking right again. Yes. Fucking son of a yes. bitch. 2 for 2. That's Where right. did I get 3 What has 352? Why did I think it was 352? No idea. That's such a specific fucking number. <laughs> What the fuck is wrong with me? I have no idea where that comes You could, like, I've had, uh, sure, I've had a couple beers tonight. Don't get me wrong. But you could have asked me that sober and I would have said 352. <laughs> I was fucking, this is honestly a little mind-blowing. I'm a little upset. That's, yeah. You know what? You know what? It happens. You, we've, been out, we've been out of school for <sighs> a long time. We've never had to, we haven't had to know anything anymore. You know what I mean? I... I'm really going to have to ask my design teachers to be like, hey, can you like get, ask us just like basic fucking questions? Oh, no, wait. Sometimes, yeah, you're, like, you're in school. I forgot that. Never mind. Like, yeah. Like, I need my design teachers to be like, all right, so I need you to uh, design this whole booklet and all that. Also, memorize your times tables uh, <laughs> 12 by 12. You know, come on. That's important. You got to remember what seven times eight is. Yeah. Oh. That's an important see and I can't I can't do it right off the bat, so it's like six fifty-six. I'm pretty sure. Alright, I'm gonna I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you throw that number out there. I'm, I'm not I'm I've I've been schooled too many times tonight. I can't fucking I can't do it anymore. I'm pretty sure it's fifty-six. I'm not even gonna look it up. We're just gonna we're just gonna move on. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh, shit. Alright. Uh, well, let's let's move on to. <laughs> you want to talk about Jinji Ito? I yeah. feel like I know Jinji Ito. <laughs> God, I hope. I don't know what I know because I made a joke about us being the Davinci guys. I'm the Davinci guy. <laughs> You're fine. You're you have answered every question that we've talked about correctly. I am the Davinci guy. Yeah, I guess. Like, I just I wish I was <sighs> a little more certain about it. Like when I said when I said Jupiter, I was like, I I think that's right. And when you when you questioned my 365, I was like, maybe I don't know. Like, I'm just I'm <laughs> I've been right, but just by the skin of my pants, the skin of my seat of my skin of my teeth. <laughs> What's that expression? Oh my god! <laughs> the skin of your pants. We... No, that's not the that's not the thing. But I like that one. Yeah, I'm fucking. I'm not even that drunk. <laughs> I'm just stupid. Uh, okay, let's talk about anime. Let's talk about anime. Well, let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about Jinji Ito because uh, there's a little bit of setup for this episode. Um, so, in uh, God, what year did this? So, in 2018, there was uh, an anime release called the Jinji Ito Collection, and um, most people know this, but for anybody unaware, he is a s- extremely popular horror manga author. Uh huh. And he does the art. He writes the stories most of the time, um, and he's kind of he's he's become very mainstream. I feel like amongst like 
people who enjoy anime and whatnot. And yeah. for good reason, his stuff is sick. It kicks ass. I think I like honestly, I feel as though like I've always had sort of like a tertiary knowledge of who Junji Ito was. And like, you know, I started reading his books when we were living together and you were able to lend them to me. But uh in the last couple of years, yeah, Junji Ito is really like blown up out of nowhere like i've seen so many like so much like tomie fan art and so much like uzumaki stuff like he's he's really hit it recently and i wonder if maybe this show has to do with that at least a little bit uh yeah i mean possibly um i mean we'll get into our opinions and whatnot on it but yeah it definitely brought things into people's minds and a lot of his work is so um iconic like even if if you, the listener, haven't actually read any Junji Ito stuff, there's not an like there's a pretty decent chance that you've seen some of his work on social media oh, or totally. something like that. Totally. Um, wh- one of the big ones is uh, uh, this woman who has like a, a spiral in her face, like her face has basically been replaced by a spiral. Uh-huh. That's from Uzumaki, which is like arguably the best thing that he's made. Which you know what? I bought a hardcover of Uzumaki like a couple months ago at this point. And I haven't opened it yet. I, I've I read Gyo and I read Tomie and I've read a bunch of his shorts. Uh, have not read the the best one yet, but looking forward yeah. to it. I, I I think if if you have to choose one Jinji Ito like collection to read or whatever, Uzumaki's the one to go for. But that said, I've read it. I've read most of his stuff. I think and. Uh, uh, yeah, I've I've never read one where I'm like that sucked or that was bad. Like no, it's, it's all, always good. Yeah, it's always solid. And um and I say I've read I think I've read most of his stuff. I've thought that in the past. And then uh like a couple weeks ago I went down to a local comic book store uh-huh. and picked up uh uh what I thought was like, "Oh, this must be a new collection. I haven't seen this before." Came out early last year. Oh, wow. <laughs> so, I mean, that's still pretty recent. Yeah, I, yeah, it's not terrible, but it's like I, I definitely thought it was new because I hadn't heard about it. So it's like, I, I love Jinji Ito's stuff. I own a ton of his stuff. I'm maybe not the best expert, but I do. I love Jinji Ito yeah. a lot. <laughs> there's, there's a lot to love. He's got, he's got a really interesting art style. He writes really interesting stories, and just like his, uh, his like composition and his pacing and everything is just, it's second to none when it comes to like horror manga, really. And to be fair, I haven't read a ton of other horror manga authors, but. Yeah, he's really, he's, yeah, great composition. He does all of his stuff pretty much in black and white. And uh, it, it he's got this just great kind of inking skill to it where there's, there's really high contrast uh, in each of the panels. Um, the characters look good. You know what's going on. He, again, great, great author. <laughs> yeah, you know what's funny is he was a, he was a dental assistant for like, a while before he actually started writing manga. I think he... Yeah. I feel like he got into it in, like, his late 20s or something like that. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Like, super late con- compared to a lot of other creators. I think it was at the Virtual Crunchyroll Expo that happened, like, a month ago or whatever. Um, he he was talking about, like, how... So he, like, I think it was his fiance and his mom... They were all like in the same house. And when he was submitting stuff while he was still a dental assistant, uh, they like helped him with like the inking and whatnot and Aww. like getting those things done. <laughs> so it was so something sweet. like that. Yeah. So he definitely like he he liked horror. He liked 
making manga, but like it obviously wasn't his first thing, but he started winning some awards and he fucking deserves it because his stuff is very good. Yeah. Actually, uh, stop me if I told you about this before, but um, you know how, so the author of the Hunter Hunter series, um, Something Togashi, is married to the creator of Sailor Moon, Naoko Takeuchi. And Mm -hmm. um, he's actually been, uh, like, not doing so great, like, health-wise for the last few years. And um, Hunter 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 has, like, you know, been... <clears throat> the the production has been pretty slow because of it. And actually, Naoko Takeuchi has been learning to draw in his style so that she can help him, like, continue it in the event that he is no longer able to. And, like, <gasps> as, much of a bum- as much of a bummer as that is, like, that is also so sweet. Like, that is the nicest yeah. thing I've ever heard, like, from a married oh, couple. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's super nice. Yeah. I mean, yeah, because that's, I mean, that's the whole thing about everything that happens you know, behind the scenes is like, it's nice to have friends and family and whatnot care for you. There's um, there's a really, so he really saw this horror stuff. And then recently I picked up, um, it, I think it's called Jinji Ito's Cat Diary. And it's about his life with, uh, when his fiance moved into his house, they, she loved cats and brought a cat with her. And he was always considering himself to be like a dog person. Oh. And it's about like him learning to like love these cats and you get a little bit of insight into his life. And uh, yeah, it was, it's like a super, it's like, it's in his same horror style, right. but it's this really fun story about him living with these cats. And yeah, it's, it's it's funny that all these people have like regular ass lives, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that sounds yeah, that sounds like a really good time. And and you're very yeah. much right with the like, you know, these cuz I feel like especially because there was so much abstraction between like us and the the, the creators of the things that we enjoyed when we were younger. Like, you know, or I me anyway, I like I don't know how into like games and anime you were as like a little little kid, but like, you know, um when I was older, I was like, I, gosh, I sure, or when I was younger, when I was younger, I sure would, like, I was like, gosh, I sure would love to, like, work in video games one day, but that's just a Japan thing, and I'm not from Japan, so I could never possibly <laughs> do that. Not to say I'm doing that now, but, you know, like, now I follow, like, a dozen or so, like, Japanese game devs on Twitter, and it's like, oh, yeah, that guy went to this place for lunch. Like, there's such a, there's that divide that used to be there is just no longer there between like us and the creators uh, who made the things that we loved, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's, and it's funny with, especially with somebody like uh, Jinji Ito, where it's like, you know, he writes these like horrific, terrifying mangas. And yeah. then it's like, he's a very like mild mannered guy. Like, seems that way. Like, interviews I've seen with him. He just seems like super nice, fairly quiet. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's so funny given, uh, how scary his stuff is. Totally. But so all of that is to say, uh, I've read a bunch of his stuff. You've read uh, a bunch of his stuff. Mm-hmm. So here's an anime adaptation, the Jinji Ito collection. Yep. Uh, it feels kind of like Goosebumps the anime, doesn't it? It does. And it's 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 it, it should be kind of like a slam dunk, right? Like you already have these great concepts. Yeah. You already have like a lot of the like, artwork kind of done like sure it's in black and white but you know stylistically you can do things with that um and it's very they the way they set it up is it's very like twilight zone like each episode is two stories because um while junji ito does stuff like uzumaki that's like you know 
it's a it's a series of stories, but they're all in the same universe. Uh-huh. Uh, he mostly releases a ton of just short stories, where it's like it's a self-contained spooky thing. So this show should be perfect for it. Yeah, yeah, especially considering like some of those some of those stories, uh, like I- even in the first episode, uh, it's called it's called Hell Doll Funeral. Um, that 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 manga is like it's like six pages maybe it's crazy short like super super short like this is really the perfect the perfect format like the the two stories in one episode kind of thing um but if i had like one one thing to say about this anime is like this anime is a strong argument for why like making an adaptation of something into a new format or like a new medium is not as easy as just like making it like pound for pound the same thing yeah yeah, because so, this is very faithful. <laughs> it and is, that's it, not necessarily good. It is it is faithful, but like in 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 a way that kind of feels like they they understood the premise, they didn't get why it worked. Yeah, I yeah, that's like, a good way. We'll 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 get into things a bit, but it's yeah, like unfortunately, as as much as I've been talking about how great Jinji Ito is for the last like 10 minutes or so. This anime is kind of a miss. And I don't think he really had anything to do with it. I don't I don't, I don't know so. anything as far as that. But it is it is kind of disappointing to see his name on something and have it not be as great as his other stuff. Yeah, cuz like to be honest, when this had come out a couple of years ago, I hadn't read anything um of Jinji Ito's and uh you know, I saw this come up on Crunchyroll and I was like, yeah, sure. Like, great. You know, I've been meaning to get into this guy's stuff. And now there's like a convenient little adaptation that I can, you know, cut my teeth on. And like watching the first couple episodes of this back then, I, I legit was like, maybe he's just not for me. Like this honestly almost turned me away from Jiji Ito <laughs> entirely. So it's not just like, yeah, we're going to I can only imagine we're not going to be very kind to this show. Uh, and it's not just from a perspective of like, well, Junji Ito's manga is so good because he's a perfect artist and this show doesn't capture his his mastery, so it's bad. Like, there's a lot more wrong with this than that. Yeah, yeah. And I and I, I hope we can kind of get into that too because I, I think that might be somebody's initial reaction. It's like, we both just talked about how much we like Junji Ito. Obviously, we're not going to like the manga or we're yeah. not going to like the show because it's not as good of an adaptation. But like... <laughs> So I don't know about you, but I actually there were a few stories, a couple episodes that I actually I went into this with super low expectations because I heard sure. it was you know not faithful, not good, and it's like I, there were a few episodes where I'm like actually that worked, that was kind of cool, and where they actually used the fact that it's a you know a moving visual medium to uh, an effect that the manga could never do. Yeah, no, that's that's very true. Like, uh, going back to it, a couple of the episodes there, like, you know, because I, I had seen a little bit of it and then decided it was bad. And then, you know, I saw some, like, I watched, like, the Super Eye Patch Wolf video on it and, like, you know, yeah. saw some tweets about it. And I was like, oh, okay, everybody's on my side with this one. It's just bad. Right. Uh, so I guess, like, I had extremely, like, you know, underground expectations for this. And, like, a couple episodes, yeah, it was, it was fine. I, like, I... It didn't feel like pulling teeth as much as I thought it would. Yeah, yeah, I didn't. I didn't mind going through this for the most part. There's, I got, you know, obviously we'll get into some issues. Um, the episodes went faster than Eat Man. I'll say that. <laughs> fucking, I, I think for the rest of our podcast career, 
most things are going to go easier than Eat Man. God, Ooh. I sure hope so. I sure <laughs> hope so. Um, so I guess let's get into it. I guess you, you everybody kind of knows our, our feelings about the show and knows the premise. Uh, I, oh, one thing I want to say before we get into these episodes. Yeah. Um, obviously, we're going to talk about what happens in these episodes, which are also going to spoil what happens in the manga version of them. Um, if if the 10 minutes earlier where we talked about how cool Jinji Ito is has inspired you, you know, obviously I want you to keep listening to this podcast, but I would rather you go and you read these stories. Like this is something that should be experienced in the manga. The show never outdoes the manga. No. And this podcast is not gonna outdo the manga either. So that's the way you, the viewer, should experience these stories. And like, I think part like it's sort of the nature of short stories and sort of like just uh, how Jinji Ito's stuff is made. Like, I don't think there's any particular, especially in these six episodes, but like, I don't think there's really anything that we're going to like spoil here that's going to like make it less enjoyable for you to read those. Like, I, I don't think the like the big twist, like the M. Night Shyamalan twist ending is like Junji Ito's style. There's really not any yeah. one particular plot point that's going to like ruin a story for you. Uh, but if you do want to go in blind, go in clean, you know, like experiencing it um, as purely as possible, then yeah, we're about to spoil the shit out of 12 different Junji Ito stories. So here's <laughs> yeah, your warning. And that, and that and that's fair. Yeah, it's it's if you know what's happening, it's still not too bad. Though I will say, episode five has uh, I can't remember the name of it, but if it I'm I'm upset with where they put it in, whatever. So uh, it, read hallucinations, read the whole series that takes place with that, and then come back here at least because that one uh, I do feel like you should read before this. Is that but, wait? Are you talking about the first one or the second one? Because the, the the names of the of the stories oh, are the uh, ongoing in the, in tale. The, in the first one, in the ongoing tale of Oshikiri. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. That's that's it's a it, a story called the ongoing tale of Ishi, Oshikiri has stuff before it that I think is better to read. But uh, yeah, there's a there's a couple there's a couple <laughs> stories. This and um, I actually I was looking ahead into some of the episodes that we we did not end up watching, and uh, the last episode is Tomie, and uh, Tomie is long as fuck. It's yeah. hella long and hella complex, and uh, this one really only handles, like, maybe the first two segments of it, and even that is, like, way too rushed for Tomie. Uh, yeah. Oh, I didn't I didn't watch it, but, like, just looking, just scrubbing through it, I was like, oh, no, 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 why did you do this? Like, you could have, there were other short stories you guys could have picked. Come on. Oh, yeah, because of, of all the collections, Tomie is the longest, like, like I have, I have my shelf of Jinji Ito books, and Tomie takes up the most space <laughs> yeah yeah it's 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 thick it is it is dense there's a lot to know about tomie yeah oh boy okay so all that out of the way read the manga do all that cool stuff but let's let's fucking rip this anime apart let's do it let's do it cinema okay. sins everything wrong with junji ito collection <laughs> uh ding i sure wish that character was giving me a lap dance right now Ding horror anime cliche. <laughs> I need to get a soundboard um, just with that button when we start making pedantic points about a show. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at the very least, it'll be a good way to stop each other for going too long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, get a little, get a little bell like they have at like a like hotel counters and stuff like that to get get somebody's <laughs> attention. We just ding that when we're <laughs> when we're getting too far. <laughs> 
but starting out, we got episode one, Soichi's... Okay, I found two different translations. There's Soichi's convenient curse and Soichi's selfish curse. Uh, yeah. So however you want to take that. Yeah, I, I, I found both. I saw that the, the manga version was called Soichi's selfish curse. But the one, the version I found was like a fan translation, so I don't know. So Crunchyroll calls it Suisi's convenient curse, um, and it's it's a funny story about this kid who uh, has basically the power to curse people, and he's also this absolute dork and egotist. Like he assumes that people are like if people are talking, he assumes that they're talking about how great he is. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And if he finds that people aren't doing that, he tries to curse them. But it's it's very like silly, I guess. Uh, silly, silly is a good thing to call it. I think like he's 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 played for a joke a lot of the time. I, and I personally like I liked the the manga story, and I even liked the uh, anime version of this for the most part. Um, like they open with there, you're in a forest, and you hear this like this pounding sound of mm-hmm. like him like nailing this doll into a tree, but you don't see it at first. You just kind of hear this ominous sound. He's just like, and then you see him and he's nailing this doll into a tree. It's like, what's going on? Like that opening I think is is great. And it's, it's a prime example of doing something that an anime can do that a manga can't. It's using sound, it's using these different angles. It's, I really like how this opens. Yeah, there, there's some, there's definitely some thought and uh, like effort put into this, um, with, with like how to, how to make these things come to life. It's just, uh, yeah, yeah, I agree with you there. Yeah, and 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 the first thing you notice in watching the show is it doesn't, the characters look like Jinji Ito characters, but they they are not in the black and white style that he does. Uh-huh. Um, which isn't necessarily an issue. Like it's it's kind of more regular colors. Uh, in in future episodes, you you see that like that lack of contrast kind of affects how some other characters look. But for this opening episode and all that, I I, I feel like it was fine. Like I I didn't hate this first anime adaptation. Uh, to be honest, like I I'm kind of I'm a little more negative on it. I guess like uh for one, this is I I did read uh Soichi's convenient curse. Mm-hmm. Uh, or selfish curse and like uh like a few months ago and like coming back to this again it's like this was i feel like it's kind of an underwhelming one to start on you know what i mean like yeah for for the first part of the first episode of your manga like of your anime series like i would expect a bit more of a bang and um this one like while it's interesting and while it's got cool stuff going for it uh it's it's one of the Jinji Ito s- stories that I'm a little colder on, and I don't think the the adaptation to anime really did anything to change that for me. Uh, I guess I would have liked to see like it's it's fine; it deserves its place in the series f- for what that's worth. But mm-hmm. I would have liked to see them start with a different one. Personally, I feel exactly the same. Like I I, I was gonna say like I, I I think this is a fine adaptation for the most part. It's. Mm-hmm. Like with the rest of the show, it's not as good as the manga, but I think I think it was fine. But it, that's how they start this. Like what? Then yeah. It's insane. Uh, it's it's because it's it's more goofy than scary for the most part. And, yeah. And that's that's fine in on its own. But you're trying to start this like horror collection. You know, you're trying to start the Twilight Zone, and you're starting out with the funniest Twilight Zone script. Like. Uh, 
I don't know. It, uh, yeah, it sets a really weird tone for for the series in general. You know what I mean? Well, and and also in terms of tone, and I don't know if this had anything to do with the fact that they chose this episode first, but the opening has a really weird opening for a horror show. It's this very like rockin' up tempo thing that doesn't feel scary in the slightest. That's uh, yeah, that was that's like the first note I have about this whole thing is like uh, I don't dislike the opening. I warmed up to it, but um, it's got this real like. Um, like a like a the band that comes to mind is like Ludo, like this kind of like alt rock, like we're we're gothy and edgy, but like to a responsible degree, you know what I mean? Uh, and mm-hmm. it's fine, it's fine, but I it feels like it feels like it kind of cheapens, uh, you know, the subject, the 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 source material. Um, I. It's mm-hmm. like putting that Linkin Park song in the M- Magic the Gathering trailer, you know what I mean? Like, it's just... <laughs> listen, I'm not a big fan of Linkin Park. Not not gonna say anything bad about their music, but, like, it's weird to have that in, like, you know, this this story that, like, seemed a little more, like... Um, like, it was supposed to have a bit more gravitas to it. Like, I think that Junji Ito is a really smart uh, author, and I think that he's got a, really, a lot of really cool stuff going on, especially with the stories that they picked for this series. So to have this, like weird fucking like love me dead sounding song on it. It, it it didn't really gel with me personally yeah i i agree 100 like as soon as it started like i just kind of like looked around my room i was like this is real huh like this is yeah the opening to this this horror spooky show and <laughs> the kid suichi is like he's throughout the entire thing and so you're constantly reminded of like this goofy story mm-hmm. and it's it, and it's and it's weird because then you go into the second story, the um, Hell Doll Funeral. Uh, uh-huh. It's got a bunch of other funny names, and these two like they don't contract, like they're they don't work together. Like they have very different tones, especially no. even in the way that they're adapted. Yeah, and yeah. And this is the first episode. Like, oh, like it's so tonally off. And I I guess like I. I guess trying to be charitable to the creators there, like, I think that it's possible they maybe thought, like, oh, well, you know, there's sort of a duality to, to Junji Ito's works. There's, like, stuff that's a little more silly, and there's stuff that's a little more, like, um, you know, serious. And we got one of each, right? But, like, Helldoll Funeral is, like, a minute long. It is yeah. hella short. It is, like, five pages long in the actual comic. So, like, there's just such a huge balance or in imbalance, I guess, uh, between these two, where like I guess it's gonna be like mostly goofy with a little touch of like oh that's actually a little unsettling because that's because yeah. that's what like what I call a lot of Junji Ito's like horror is that it's not it's not scary in like a Halloween or a, or a uh, Friday the Thirteenth kind of thing it's 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 unsettling it makes you like nervous and kind of stressed out just by like stuff that's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, and it kind of plays on that, like, fear of the unknown and whatnot. And uh, this one, like, so each is convenient curse. I couldn't even really call it a horror thing, honestly. Yeah, it, it, it's like how it has, like, horror elements. Like, it, it's like Shaun of the Dead. Like, you, yeah, you could call it a horror movie, but it's not really, like, something that you'd watch because it's scary. It's like, yeah. oh, this is, you know, it's a fun thing with horror elements. Soichi is like if if Eddie from Ed, Ed, and Eddie had voodoo powers. 
Like, that's that's kind of how I see him. He's always the butt of the joke. People don't even give a shit that he has, like, you know, these supernatural powers because he's still a, a fucking joke of a person. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And I and I love his character because of how egotistically he's written and how yeah. much of a little jerk he is. Um, and it, 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 it works. And it is kind of funny that he's like, I'm going to curse this person. And he gives them the weirdest curses. Like, I'm going to give them a stomach ache. I'm going to, like, bury them, kind of. I'm going to chase them around in a spooky, like, stick bug costume. Like, these are the, the thoughts of, like, uh, a weird kid. <laughs> you yeah. know, it works. But it's... Yeah, it's it's not like what I would immediately associate with Junji Ito. Like I don't think anyone's gonna would say, "Oh, Suichi's selfish curse." That's my favorite Junji Ito story. No it's way. so good. Like that's that's just does, that's a person that doesn't exist. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I do like how Soichi kind of taps into this. Like, um, you know, I, I feel like for a lot of people who like grew up not being particularly like uh, socially adept or anything like that, like you kind of have this like, um, I call it, I call it like the 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 D and D fallacy where it's like you know when you're especially when you're younger, I feel like you have you believe that you have one strength. It's like you're either like tough physically, you're like charming, or you're like smart. And there's one of those three categories. And if you're not particularly tough and you're not particularly popular, then you just assume that you're like the smartest guy around. And that seems like Soichi's <laughs> situation is just like, I'm so smart compared to all these other peons. I'm not one of these one of these plebeians. I'm the, the most brilliant man around and nobody understands my genius and like all that stuff. Um, so it's a very it's a very human story uh, in a way. Mm-hmm. It's just, um, yeah, again, doesn't set the tone very well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, and that's and that's your first episode, uh, basically. Because we we could get into um, Hell Doll Funeral, but it's you know it's it's a spooky story. I like it. Um, yeah, the adaptation is fine, I guess. Um, it's also so the adaptation also has like your first instance of like. Junji Ito does a good job with like body horror and like just limbs being way too long and having, you know, all sorts of um, weird like pustules and things coming off of skin yeah. and uh, Hell Doll Funeral, like the, the climax of the story pretty much revolves around that. And this is and that's your first taste of, oh, it it doesn't look as good as the manga and it looks fine on its own. Okay. Yeah, it, and that's a that's you know what I was saying earlier about like you know it being like maybe a little too faith too faithful is like it's really like a a frame for frame re like reimagine not even reimagining like a rendition of Helldoll Funeral like I went and read the comic immediately afterwards and it's like every single uh, panel of the comic was represented in yeah. the keyframes of the uh, of the episode and it's just like well. If they're gonna be the same, I might as well just read the comic. Like, I, there's nothing you're really getting out of it other than like, what the music, the voice acting. Like, none of those things really carry enough weight to make it worth it. Right, and and those uh, those times that they use the music to really like sell a scene are way too rare. Like, there's all these times where I'm like, this works, but it works for like the ten seconds that they use the full medium of like 
motion and animation and all that. And then they just like forget it and they're like, okay, well, let's just color Jinji Ito's panel real quick. <laughs> yeah. I So moving on to episode two, that's where I really started to notice it. Um, I was trying to read all of these stories before watching the episode. Uh-huh. And so the first, the first story in episode two was um, the fashion model. Yeah. And so I, uh, I figured out what book it was in that I owned because they're spread out weird. And I, <laughs> I read it and I was like, okay, that was pretty good. And then I watched the episode. I'm like, this is like the same like shot for shot stuff. Yeah. And, and to be fair, a lot of manga that I've read of that have been adapted into anime have a lot of the same shots and things like you, like the, the manga is almost like a storyboard for the anime. Yeah. But it just doesn't work because it doesn't have any kind of like style or like the same shadows or anything like that, that the manga does. So it yeah. makes those comparisons harsher. Totally. Uh, this is one of those, like, th- this This was what made me have this thought, like, um, are you familiar with the, on YouTube, there's a, there's a, a musician named Lindsay Sterling? Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She's a, she's a very talented violinist and she does her own arrangements of, like, covers and stuff like that. And the thing about it is, like, every time I see a new video, I, I don't know if she's still active, but, like, every time I would see a new video of her, like, oh, she covered, you know, this song from this thing, like, when I saw the thumbnail of it, I was like, I know immediately how that sounds. Like, she just has the exact <laughs> same style for each and every one of her covers. This feels like that. It's like, I could read Fashion Model and then, like, imagine how the Junji Ito Collection episode goes and be pretty goddamn close to what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Which, yeah, is 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 a huge bummer because there's a lot of these story and maybe they couldn't take liberties with it maybe they felt like they couldn't or they shouldn't or something i don't know a lot about how anime is produced but like i just wish they would have like taken more liberties made things darker um the show's really bright like things are really well lit like throughout the show and um, I just wish it like they would have made things darker, or they would have just to try to make it a bit scarier. But they just kind of color it like it's your average everyday anime for the yeah. most part. There's, I mean, I think I think in terms of the coloring, like it's a bit, it's a bit less, um, it's a bit like desaturated compared to a lot of other stuff. Like there's like you know kind of um, mm-hmm. like a more bleak tone to it. Um, but at the same time, it's like yeah, they they really try to just like ape Junji Ito's style in like a, a kind of I hate to say it, like, cheap way, where, like, you know, and I understand why, like, Junji Ito's, like, especially back in, you know, a couple of years ago before he was, like, as well-known as he is now, like, people really venerated his stuff, like, they really, really cared about his his artwork and his style of it and everything like that, and I understand, like, the aversion to uh, straying away from that, but if you are not Junji Ito, you cannot replicate Junji Ito's style. That's just how it is. Like he's a, he's got a very unique way of doing things. And if you can't do that, you might as well replace that with something you can do well. And that's what, that's what I think is missing here a lot of the time. And that that's especially apparent in fashion model. Yeah. And it, and it's, it's a little, it's, it's, yeah, it becomes a bit of a bummer because it is like, um, I, I get why people, no, I don't get why people get upset when people 
uh, like when somebody adapts a book and they remove things from it or like they adapt a comic story and they show things in a different way. Like movies and animation are just different mediums than comics and books. Yeah. You know, and there are things that you need to do to make it work in a different adaptation. And this is just like they're just taking it directly. And mm-hmm. it's fa- fashion model is kind of a cool, creepy story. And. You know, and and to be fair, this adaptation is not awful. It just never feels scary. It's just kind of like, oh, oh, yeah, I guess if that happened, that would be kind of spooky. Yeah. Okay. It's it's fine in the sense that, like, there's nothing glaringly. And I can say this for most of of, uh, this show is that, like, it's fine in the sense that there's nothing glaringly wrong about it. But, like. I would never tell somebody to watch this before they read the manga, and after mm-hmm. they read the manga, there's no reason for them to watch it. Like, there's there's no reason to engage with this work, really. Yeah. Unless you just hate reading, I guess. And and you're kind of <laughs> fucked unless you read Japanese, so, you know, or can can understand spoken Japanese, rather. So, like, you know, you're not getting out of that. <laughs> um. Well, okay, but so we've been dunking on this show for a minute. I do want to yeah. say, so the, the, the next thing is a, a story called The Long Dream. Yeah. And this is, this is a cool story. It's about a person who is getting progressively longer dreams. They, they start out and they're, they go to a doctor and they're like, yeah, each of my dreams are like, two, you know, two or three days. And now they're turning into a month. And then eventually they turn into like years at a time. Uh-huh. And it's a really like it's a premise that is not super visual, but is really like it, this person is kind of telling you what's happening, and you're like, it, and the the premise alone is it kind of it it's unsettling, it scares me, and I actually I liked this adaptation, like I think this adaptation is pretty good, um, maybe one of their better ones because they don't have to rely on the visuals as much. I they agree. can really just kind of tell this scary story. Yeah, and I, I thought the pacing was done really well on that. And also, like, you know, one of the strengths of of, of, a, of an anime adaptation or, you know, any sort of visual adaptation is that you get to add music to it. Uh, this one has the best song, or, like, the best soundtrack of the, you know, all the episodes we've um, that we watched, in my opinion. Like, the, the backing track, when the guy explains what's going on like you know that is that his dreams are going longer and longer like that was so good that i ended up finding it on youtube and saving it to a watch later list because i want to just have that you know on hand for later that's a really really great track oh dude i have i have basically like the same note it's like i i thought the music worked really well throughout this episode totally yeah it was perfect yeah it's it's a and it's an example of like what an adaptation can be we, we talk about it all the time. We don't know what it takes to make animation and all yeah. that. But like, to my gut reaction is this feels a bit low re- low budget or something. And that this, this story to tell it in the way that it is scary doesn't require a lot of, um, a lot to make it work. Mm-hmm. And that's what makes this, but they're able to use like music and things like that to really kind of elevate it. Yeah. Uh, this one, this one, like on that topic or on that, um, trail of thought, I guess, like this one made me think that maybe, um, that there was a bit of an intentionality with like the episodes that they picked or the, the stories that they picked to make episodes out of is that like all, all four of these so far are kind of based in, uh, I guess maybe with the exception of fashion model. Um, but like, you know, are kind of based, uh, in a fear of a very like real life, uh, 
kind of thing. Like not even not even like I'm afraid of snakes or I'm afraid of spiders or whatever. It's like this one really felt to me like uh, uh, an exploration of like a fear of wasting your entire life and then one day it's just being over. Like you're waking up and realizing like having these moments of lucidity and then going back into these dreamlike states where you're just existing and then all of a sudden you wake up one day and you realize your life is over. Um, like mm. a very existential dread kind of thing. And I was like, this one, this one particular segment really works that angle really well. And mm-hmm. I don't know if that was intentional or if that was just a happy accident, but like, I would have liked to see if that was what they were trying to do. I would have liked to see them go harder in that more cerebral direction with the rest of it. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think they really could have had something like long dream should have been what they opened with. Absolutely. Like that, they they could have sold this whole show because like long dream is is one it's it's a fairly popular Jinji Ito story uh-huh. and um so you you catch people on that and two this is maybe one of their better ones totally um, so but actually I, so with that said looking at episode three um, mm-hmm. I have a note next to this one this is my I said it I said it in the note when I was taking it at the time that it was the best episode so far. Uh, it's actually my favorite episode. And really? Just kind of looking at things. And yeah, I, th- I think this actually, like, it worked pretty well. I got the same sort of unsettling feeling from these stories that I got from reading the manga versions. We're talking about both Boy at the Crossroads and Slug Girl or just, just, uh, just yeah. Boy at the Crossroads? Okay, okay. Both, both, both of those, I think they did a pretty good job. I think Slug Girl worked better because it was shorter and the you know the visuals weren't as crazy, but I th- I think they both worked fairly well as adaptations. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I could see that. Um. I like. I thought. I thought. Boy at the Crossroads was pretty good too. I guess. Like. Um. Uh. You know. I. I, I guess. I guess. Episode two, or uh, specifically the Long Dream, like had uh, a lot more for me to grab onto, like thematically. Whereas, like, I didn't. I didn't really understand a lot about boy at the crossroads or like what they were going for or like the real like the real fear behind it you know what i mean well so i, I oh dude i i i really felt it because it was like so the pre- the premise of boy at the crossroads is that if it, um i'm i'm excuse me i'm gonna misremember a couple things but that there is um there's this fog that'll come through uh-huh and if you go to these crossroads there's this boy there who looks kind of Spectery, and if you talk to him, you can ask him for your fortune, and you can ask, like, you know, am I gonna marry so and so? Am I gonna, you know, what should I do about X? Yeah. And he'll answer your question, but he also drives you kind of mad with that fortune. So, um, someone will be like, oh, am I gonna, is such and does such and such love me? And the, he'll say, no, and then the person kills themselves. Yeah. Um, and we and should probably that was put a like, content warning somewhere about the suicide thing, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, no, that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's, you know, it's it's a scary premise. And, you know, I, I think it's also kind of a relatable one insofar as like, you know, we, you know, if you've ever like been crazy about somebody, like you, you sometimes do have some weird thoughts. Most of us don't go that far or anywhere sure, sure. there. But you know, I think it's it's a pretty normal thing to be to be like that or not like that. I don't know what am I trying to say. But uh, no, I think I think you're you're onto something there. Like you know, where um, 
not the girl that the the main character of this story uh, ends up dating, but her friend where she like she says it multiple times, like three or four times where she says, like, I love him so bad I could die. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that, that seems to be a real focal point. I guess like I what I was able to parse from this was, uh, I guess, sort of the opposite. Not so much being on the end of the person with the unrequited love, but more being on the on the end of the person who's like unable to please those around him and feeling like responsible for the pain that they feel as, as a result. Yeah, well, that's good, too. Yeah, because that's like because the uh, the main character of that one, like, you know, it, it all starts with him uh, being the very first uh, crossroads Bishonen or whatever they call him, like the person who tells the, <laughs> the fortunes where like there's this woman who asks him like, oh, is, is my love going to be recognized? And he says, like, no, get the fuck away from me. I'm like eight years old. What, what do you want from me? And like, turns out she killed herself afterwards. Um, right. And he's got guilt about that and everything yeah. too. Yeah, and like I, I was picking up on some parallels between him and the, uh, the, the, the actual fortune teller there. Yeah, well, and and, and I, I think it all, it all works. And there's, there's a, there's a tension to it as well mm-hmm. because like you, you get to, not that you know him super well, but you get to kind of know who the protagonists are and whatnot. And there's these, yeah. these couple girls who are like, you, you know, you like, you see one of them ask the fortune teller a question and she goes insane. Yeah. Um, and so there's the other girl and you're like terrified that she's going to ask him a question. Uh-huh. And, and I felt like the show carried that. Like I never, like I felt the same sort of feeling th- throughout. I'm like, Oh my God. Like, are they going to change things? Like it like, and the show is never going to change things, but I felt like it might because the tension <laughs> was there in their presentation. Yeah, that's the that's the thing. Like, it's the same as with Eat Man. It's the same as with Naruto Shippuden. It's the same as with, like, any series that I talk shit on. It's because there's something I really wanted to like about it. And this this is, like, where that, like, this and, and like, a couple of the other stories are, like, I really want to like this a lot more than I do. Mm. Uh or, or rather, or rather, this like you know, this part of it makes me go like, oh man, this would be uh, if the rest of it was this level, this level of quality, I'd probably be singing a different tune about it. Because yeah, Boy of the Crossroads was like really well put together. Yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, Boy of the Crossroads, good. Uh, Slug Girl is also a good scary story, and it's one that lends itself to an audio medium where it's uh-huh. like. You know, she she's her her tongue is slowly turning into a a slug. Uh And so her speech is getting messed up by that. And you kind of like he does a good job in the manga of like making the words look weird. Um, Well, I guess I've only read the English version, but in the English version, the the words like, you know, they get kind of skewed. But compared to everybody else's speech bubbles. Mm -hmm. But man, there's there's something about the audio of that one that like when the slug emerges from her mouth, I'm like, Oh, that is, I feel gross listening to her try to talk. Totally. Yeah. The, the gross slimy noises are really well executed there. Mm-hmm. Uh, this one, this, uh, like story wise, I wasn't really able to parse anything from it. Like thematically, I was just like, that's gross as hell. That's, that's just nasty. <laughs> I wouldn't want that to happen to me at all. Well, and in both the manga and the the story, it, the both story, like the story as, on its own, is weird because it's like, okay, so her she's got this, her tongue is turning into a slug, uh-huh. and so her parents are like, 
in, in the manga, they're like, they try to cut it with scissors and it just grows back. Oh. I don't know if they ever called a hospital, but their plan is like, <laughs> let's just put her in salt because that's what you use to kill slugs. Yeah. And um, things don't go well. So she, she, she basically like, disappears except for her head yeah but it's like that seems weird why didn't you just like immediately run her to a hospital it's especially weird that cinema that's sin like... ding <laughs> i was just thinking that yeah it's like it's especially weird in the anime because that's like their first solution is they're like oh no she has a she has a, a slug growing out of her mouth put her in a bathtub full of salt just put her in there just dunk her whole head whole head in there and then yeah when they when it turns out she can't breathe in there and shit, they're like, "Oh no, oh no, what's going on?" And then it turns out her her body shrank. Like, right, hard to apply like any sort of real world logic to this at all, but pretty spooky, right. pretty unsettling. Pretty, yeah, it's it, it, a lot of Junji Ito stuff. Is you kind of kind of like suspend it a little bit because oh, yeah. overall it is scary. And oh yeah, yeah, like it, it's got great ending, absolute great ending, and seeing Agreed. her. Um, her head has turned into the shell for this snail creature uh-huh. and seeing her eyes move just has such a fucking impact that the manga doesn't quite carry. Oh, okay. Yeah. I can see that. At least just, just that, that little bit of movement. Do I think it's better than the manga? Not necessarily, but I no. think this episode, good adaptations all around. Yeah, no, I would agree with that. Uh, then we got episode four with uh, with Shiver, mm. um, which is another one where I'm like, I, even the story content is like a little, like it's, he, dude finds a cursed object, cursed object curses dude, and then the cursed object shows up for somebody else and it curses them, and you know we just keep going, um, like it's an I guess it's another visual storytelling kind of thing, but I don't know if it landed as hard as Slug Girl did. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I like Shiver a fair bit just because of how, like, kind of visceral it is. Yeah. Like, with the holes in the body, like, that just kind of gets to me. Uh, I know I, I know people who have, like, fear of f- fear of holes. I can't remember what it's called, like, tryptophobia or something like that. Uh, and I, I don't think I have that, but, like, there's definitely something about seeing holes in a person that kind of freaks me out there's a hunter hunter character i'm like on episode like a hundred or something uh-huh. and there's a guy who has uh holes in his body that makes sound when he moves and punches and i'm so oh. fucking freaked out by him <laughs> uh tripophobia i think that's what you're looking for Tripopho- it's, it's a, yeah that's it yeah was it's close. a fear or disgust of closely packed holes like in a honeycomb or something yeah yeah I saw somebody make a, with a macaroni, uh, they made a macaroni and cheese meatloaf and like you could, when they cut through it, all the macaroni holes, like where it just looked like a, like a beehive, you know? And there Ugh. were a bunch of people in their replies like, oh God, this is horrifying for somebody with trypophobia. Why would you post this? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty good. I don't feel like this was a bad adaptation. It's very faithful to the, the story. Yeah. Um, and I feel like, yeah, I feel like it worked pretty well. I don't really have too much to say about Shiver. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is that, like, again, visually, they're not as good as Junji Ito. And mm-hmm. it doesn't really gain a lot from being in motion, except for that scene where the uh, the bugs are crawling into the holes in that guy's body. Yeah. That's gross. That Ooh, is gross that, as hell. That definitely got to me a bit. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's fucking nasty. Uh, but otherwise, it doesn't really gain much from being animated. Uh, it's just one of those, like, yeah, it's it's the comic, which is good, but it's a little less than the comic. So probably just, re- or less good than the comic. So just probably just go read the comic. But perf- it's yeah. perfectly fine. Yeah, because going back to, like, Jinji Ito has really good contrast by virtue of being in black and white. So um, reading or seeing the visual version that doesn't have that same strong contrast, it doesn't work as well. But yes, the bugs and hearing the bugs and seeing the bugs. Ah. Yeah, <laughs> it's gross. It's very gross. Mm-hmm. Watching them, yeah. Um, so, but yeah, sh- Shiver's fine. Um, Marionette Man- Mansion, uh, I love the manga version. Um, and I feel like the adaptation is okay, but kind of disappointing. I feel like that's, that's, that's the entire review, but, um, I love, I, Marionette Mansion is one of my favorite, like, weird Jinji Ito stories. Uh, this is actually one that I, that I never, that I haven't read, um, I didn't get around to reading this after I watched the the story. I like the um, idea of it. This one does seem to have like a bit more go- going for it thematically, but I couldn't fucking tell you what it's supposed to like mean on a deeper level. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's the idea of like being controlled around like a doll is uh, is real spooky, and I felt so bad for um, the the gal that the main character was, um, I think, dating at the mm-hmm. towards the end of that. Uh, her name is Kinuko. Um, yeah, I felt really bad for her. Like when when I, when a like bystander type character dies, I feel really bad in these kinds of stories. You know. So I watched this one. So I'd read Marionette Mansion uh-huh. before, watched it, and then reread it, and I was like, I don't remember it being this violent. And then I <laughs> read the manga. I'm like, no, she just fucking gets killed. Yeah. And the other, like the dude, gets stabbed in the arm. Um, yeah, it's it, but I love the the this whole premise of like the dad is under control of the puppet, but like and so like it, it's about this family and like they they are puppeteers only because their dad won't do anything else, mm-hmm. so they're forced to travel from place to place and they all fucking hate it. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, the, the the brother who runs away becomes uh, a puppeteer, and it, it but is all or no, he doesn't become a puppeteer. He becomes the puppet because he yeah. believes that the puppet is in control, and that's not the case. Things no. don't go well. Yeah, and um, the the puppet that ends up controlling him, John Pierre or whatever, um. I got real, uh, going back to anime goosebumps, I got real Night of the Living Dummy vibes a little bit. Yeah, like, yeah, that's actually pretty it's close. A, it's a bit more abstract, it's a bit more obscure, but like in a lot of ways, it's like, yeah, I liked Night of the Living Dummy. That was a that was a fun Goosebumps book when I was, uh, when I was a little kid. Well, listen, and we said it before, we'll say it again, R.L. Stein is the American Junji Ito. So. <laughs> we did say that, didn't we? Oh, fuck, it's come full circle. I didn't even realize full that. Full circle, man. Um, <laughs> That's so good. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I like that it goes between like, so the dad is kind of controlled by the puppets. The brother becomes a puppet so he can be in control, but really it's the puppet that's in control. I don't, uh, I can't really piece together what's going on, but it's really weird and I love it. 
yeah that that was like that was a good fun just like what the fuck horror story i was i was pretty into it um between this and Helldolf Funeral and uh, Cloth Teacher, I kind of get the feeling like Junji Ito has like a weird relationship with dolls. Mm. Like something about like that. human human effigies seems to kind of creep him out, and like that seems to be like a big source of his like um, you know like what he draws on to write horror stories, which is fine. Like it, dolls are creepy as shit, but like it was interesting that especially in this selection of Junji Ito's many horror st- or short stories, like f- three of this, you know, the, the 12 series or episodes that we, or stories that we watched were about dolls. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I, I think a lot of his stories kind of in, in, you could even almost argue that like the, the long goodbye or the, sorry, gentle goodbye comes from this kind of thing is like when, when you're young, and you would see, excuse me, when you would see bodies or something, like I remember being a kid and tur- like sleeping with the, the lights off and just seeing things in the dark. I still oh, sometimes yeah. like see things that look like people in the dark. Totally. And you know, then you turn on the light and you're like, oh, it was the, you know, the coat rack or the, it was this weird thing or whatever. You know, you know yeah. you're fine, but you turn that light off and it looks like a person again. You know, like you're, you're, your mind is hardwired to see faces and yeah. recognizable things like that. And it totally get pl- it gets, pl- you know, it becomes scary at a certain point when all the lights are gone. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah, no, I can see that. I had, like, I, until a couple of years ago, I used to just, like, like an idiot, just, like, hang up my, my coats and stuff wherever it seemed, like, to fit, you know, like, on a door or whatever. And then, yeah, like, at night when the lights were off, like, I'd see it and be like, oh, there's a person standing in my room. Oh, no, this is horrible. <laughs> um, so, like, I totally get that. Uh, yeah, it's just, it's, like, interesting to me. It was like, oh, yeah, it's, like, a bit more of a, a bit of a motif kind of thing here. Um, because I feel like especially, like, you know, of course you want to express some sort of, like, um, art with your, uh, you know, something that you're making. And, like, you know, there's probably a little more thought that went into it other than, like, let's pick uh, 24 Junji Ito stories and, you know, animate them exactly as they were in the in the comics. Like, I can only imagine there was a little more thought that went into that. Uh, so, like, I've been trying to pick up on any sort of trends or motifs or anything like that that goes on. And I noticed that, like, oh, dolls okay. and kind of, like, that, that idea of... Um, not just vulnerability, but like that that complete lack of control seems to be a common theme through these through these episodes. That's yeah, that's that's a good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I hadn't actually given any consideration to the stories they picked, other than <laughs> oh, these are the short stories, so that's why they picked them. <laughs> right, but he's written so many short stories. Like, there's so many that were left on the table. Right. Yeah. And then they made a fucking OVA of Tomie for some reason, but you know, whatever. Oh, I, I can't believe that that. That the uh whatever. Oh, <laughs> Tomie for a different day. Yeah. It's um, bars. Thank you. Um, <laughs> so okay, so episode three I liked. Episode four, fine. Episode five sends me into a blinding fucking rage. Okay, maybe that's a little little too much. But episode five is um Oh, it's it's hard for me to talk about because it's it it is it is the fifth part of a six-part series that is my like maybe my favorite short story series that he has. Yeah, um, he uh, it's so in his Frankenstein collection, 
it's basically like half of the book is Frankenstein and the other half is this um, story about this kid who lives alone in his in this house and weird things happen in the house. And mm-hmm. I'm trying to say it in a way that doesn't spoil things, but I'm really frustrated with this episode because it's the fifth part. It's where like things have already come together and now you're seeing an escalation of the stakes. Yeah. That's that's um, a that's a good way to put it. Are we are we not are we not spoiling this one? Do we want do we want I'm, people I'm, to go read it? I, no, we should we should because we're okay. we're talking about it in the way. So I love these these series of uh, I was, uh, uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of my favorites because when I was reading it, it's it's a six part series, uh-huh. and the first two or three, it didn't dawn on me that they were all in the same series because yeah. they're all about alternate dimensions. And oh, so each one involve... takes place in its own dimension? So they all involve alternate dimensions. So the first part is about uh, Oshikiri uh, killing his best friend. Oh. And it's like, whoa, this is scary. The next part stars Oshikiri, but he's the char- main character, but no one seems to care about the fact that he killed his best friend and you're like what the fuck's going on and then the next part's about something else and slowly it you realize that these are all different oshikiris in different like dimensions but they all live in like the the similar house right um and it's like whoa okay this is happening like this is so weird and this so the ongoing tale of oshikiri um, is like the fifth part of this. And it's where it goes from like, okay, there's different Oshikiris, but they don't really do that much with each other to no, there's different Oshikiris and they can interact with each other and they can really fuck things up. Uh-huh. That sounds, and that sounds way cooler than what we got. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's why I'm, I'm mad on two levels about this one because one, anybody who watches this knows the the spoiler for Oshikiri. Anybody who listens to this podcast now knows it. And it's mm-hmm. not, it's not a terrible spoiler, but it's like, okay, so you don't you don't have that whole build up, so you kind of have to have this weird exposition dump where it's like, yeah, my house has multiple dimensions in it, whatever. Um, but I'm also mad because this is the most like action packed, so to speak, where it's right. like you have this weird body horror and people melting and all these terrible things, and that's not what the show does well. Like the first part involves it's it's like a murder mystery and him getting hallucinations because he killed his best friend that would have worked just fine yeah that's no that's a really good point yeah because like the the i guess climax of each of those like you know individual character arcs there with his with his buddy and then with his uh with the with the girl character is like you know more or less them turning into some like weird meat thing and then like falling apart uh, yeah. yeah, and the body horror is really not what this show does very well. Like, anything that's supposed to be, like, real high-budget visual just, like, kind of ends up falling flat. Yeah, and a huge part of it is that it's, like, super well lit. Like, you see every, like, part of this spooky character. And it's, yeah. like, like, you think about something like um, John Carpenter's The Thing, where it's, like, you, like, yeah, you can see the monster, but you don't really see, like, the whole thing. And that's what makes it, like, kind of scary sometimes. Yeah. Um, there's no lighting in the, the lighting is let's illuminate the entire poorly drawn body horror creature and then have it, you know, do its thing. It's, 
it's very it was i was so mad at this part <laughs> now now i never i never read the comic of this one um do does the comic uh i guess obscure things a little more in, in that regard yeah it's just got i mean one jinji ito is just better at drawing this kind of stuff sure then you know and obviously it's more it's harder for animators right like junji ito is drawing a panel they have to draw you know several frames right mm -hmm. so i get it uh but so it works better there and then yeah there is a lot more shadows there's a lot more obscured there's a lot more contrast and grossness that never feels poorly done yeah Okay. I felt like this felt like the entire time I was looking at it, I was like, this just feels like this doesn't look like I was upset at the way that it looked. And I never felt the the tension of like, oh, my God, why, who are these people? Is fucking uh, Fuji Mio or whatever her name is going to be OK? Like, fuck. Uh, I think you got I think you got that name exactly right. Actually, I forgot that name entirely, but I'm pretty sure you <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> uh, yeah, well done. I, <laughs> Uh, Listen, I haven't been right about much, so <laughs> let's let's not let's not say that I'm right about that one. We, uh, I'm I, the Da Vinci I'm, guy now. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you nailed that one. Um, <laughs> you know that I guess the it, it speaks for itself. Like what I took from this from this uh, episode or this this story because I, I had I have two notes. Um, one, what the fuck is up with this dude's wallpaper? Like the black and white like checkerboard. <laughs> design that's horrible who would want to live in that that's that's mm -hmm. of course of course this dude's seeing some spooky shit you live in a fucking clown house uh two uh i really like when i saw so main character guy of this story gets in a fight with his bizarro verse version of himself right to save mm -hmm. fuji mio from his universe not the bizarro one and uh at one point, he, like, judo flips, like, does the Lion King thing where he, like, you know, the guy's on him, and then he, like, puts his foot on his chest and, like, rolls backwards and, like, flips him over. Um, that filled me with so much jealousy. Like, I wish, I long for the chance to do that to an alternate dimension doppelganger of myself. <laughs> yeah, especially one that's that fucked up. Yeah, I feel like that's what my life is building towards, honestly. Like, if that doesn't happen <laughs> at some point, listen... Listen, Elon Musk is sending cars into the into space, and we've got fucking all this crazy technology shit for military yeah. purposes. We're gonna figure out how to how to get into alternate dimensions at one point, or time travel, or something. And I know it's gotta it's gotta go through all its military applications before it becomes consumer grade. But when that happens. I really hope I get to beat the shit out of myself. If it's an alternate dimension, previous time, that's fine. I just want to kick the shit out of a previous, uh, a, an alternate version of myself. That's very yeah, important I, to me. So, so two two notes. One, I have said uh, that if I if time machines are ever invented, I will use it to go back in time and punch myself in the face for being absolutely. an idiot. Absolutely. And uh, I haven't been punched in the face that I remember. Now, I have gotten very drunk and come back to a place wounded, so maybe it's <laughs> happened. I've seen that. I thought you got jumped one time. It turned out you tripped or something. Yeah, no, I tripped while drunk. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, it happens. Yeah. Um, th so the other thing, too, uh, going back to his weird checkerboard room, since I've already kind of spoiled the thing, th his house is supposed to look 
really off-putting because across these six stories, you have him being like, yeah, my house is really weird and spooky. And there are people who are like, don't live in your house alone. Come live with us. Like, yeah. stop living there. Like, his house is supposed to look really uncomfortable. And it just, that that weird checkerboard room, it, like, it sells that point in a larger context. I... I don't get why they wanted to tell Suichi's convenient curse and all of his fun stories when you have this incredible short story series here. Yeah. That would like, work great for this anime. There's a ton that they could have done so much with. Uh, and that, like, I guess I'm being too charitable, like, trying to, you know, figure out these patterns and, like, why they're doing what they're doing and all that when it just kind of seems like they just picked 12 or 24 random stories and went with it, uh, went for it. Um, but like, just because of the happy little accidents here and there, like, it feels like there's something a little more to this. And, and this feels like if you went more in this direction, this could have been really cool. And I mean, Hey, maybe to their credit, maybe they did in future episodes. We just didn't see it, but right. I doubt it. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, (laughs) I'm upset. Um, (laughs) but, uh, so going on from what I'm upset and trying to move through this at a decent pace. Right. Um, Cloth Teacher, I thought was fine. Um, not as good as the manga, but I'll say that for every episode. Um, you know, it's fun seeing more Suichi. Yes. Uh, I, I disagree wholeheartedly. You know what? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? There was one. There was one instance in this entire these entire six episodes that we watched that that truly filled me with a feeling of existential dread. And that is when <laughs> when the guy was sharing his math homework and the nail gets lodged in it, because the second you see the nail, I was like, God fucking damn it, we're going to see Soichi again. And then camera <laughs> smash cut to Soichi in the corner, like giggling because he did the thing. And I was just so mad. Like, this is what we double up on. This is yeah. the thing we're going to come back to. This fucking Soichi. Are you kidding me? Yeah, and and you know, and that's a good point because I I like Suichi like in a vacuum, right? Like I think his story is kind of fun, it's kind of goofy, whatever. That's not what I want from the Junji Ito collection. No. If this was like 26 episodes and not 12 plus an OVA, like sure, go nuts. But it's not that. Yeah. 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 Well, and it's also like Okay, maybe it's fine for an adaptation, but one, I don't know what happened, but like all of the walking and the, like, there are characters that are supposed to move poorly because they're like doll people. So I get it. But there are also people who are people people who move (laughs) really poorly. Like the, the walking animation feels super stilted. It's like very clear in some shots that it's just a still animation that they've like keyframed up and down, you know, and just make it scale up so it looks like he's walking forward. Like, yeah, ugh. there's a there's a lot of little like, listen, we've we've said it a million times. I'm not an animator. I don't know how to animate things. I don't know how <laughs> they do what they do. It's like magical space magic to me. That's fine. But like there's a few moments in this show that like just baffle me like why like in Oshikiri collection towards the beginning the Fu, uh, Mio whatever the fuck her name is Fuji Mio or whatever she walks up to main character guy and she asks him a question and he turns around like turns away from her and says like 
I, I, I don't know. It's not because I like you or anything, Baka. And then, like, he freeze frames, like, in this, like, mid-sentence uh, face. Like, he's still saying something. And he, like, freeze frames in that, like, face for, like, three whole seconds until his buddy comes up and starts making fun of him. And then he switches. Like... It's just the most baffling thing. I like. I legit thought my Chromecast or my my t- my computer like stopped work, like was buffering or something like that during that moment because I was like, "There's no way that was a conscious choice that a creator made." No, and and I feel like as the show has gone on, I like either I've become more aware of it or like they literally like they spent money on episodes and ran out as it went on, but like. Uh, cloth teacher really feels low budget in terms of its its quality and animation and i'm i'm gonna i'm not gonna say i'm gonna stop this but i'm gonna try to stop prefacing things with like uh i don't know animation like (laughs) with a show like this i feel like i'm looking at it and i'm just like no, this feels low budget. Like I don't know how else to describe this. <laughs> I uh, I think if anything, maybe maybe it's actually the budget part. And like you know, we're both very guilty of this. I think maybe it's actually the budget part that like uh, might be our mis misconception here. Because like there's uh, take say One Punch Man. Like season one, fantastic. Season two was like a PowerPoint presentation. I looked into it. Those are <laughs> those are about the same like budget levels. Like it was just the fact that they couldn't get the staff that they had for the first one like nobody knew how to replicate the magic of one punch man season one oh, um, wow. so i don't know how much money went into this i don't know anything oh, like then that i don't know yeah i guess i guess maybe low quality is the right word because um, my gut instinct my gut instinct would be that people would be like like it's a cash grab like okay we'll pay jinji ito x dollars yeah well you know or whatever company and it, people like jinji ito he's really popular right now um uh-huh. so we'll just fart out this cheap shit and call it a day and i don't know if that's what happened maybe people really tried but that it feel like to me it feels like video game shovelware where it's like yeah we got a name on it fuck it whatever. no that's that seems very much as like more than anything we watched in this one. Actually, actually, Cloth Teacher and uh, Windows Next Door both feel very, Window- like... Oh, yeah. Like, just such a, like, whatever, fuck it. Just, just put it out there, I guess. And, mm-hmm. like, they don't... Honestly, they don't seem any happier about the addition of Soichi uh, than I am. Like, everybody seems miserable in this. Nobody (laughs) seems to have had fun in incorporating Soichi into another episode. Like, I just don't know why. I I have to feel like there must have been somebody in this production who was like, I think Soichi's the best. Because he's he's in the first, he's the first thing you see. Uh He's the only person to have a reoccurring character in the show in the first six episodes. And he's He's in the theme song extensively. Oh like, yeah, he's yeah. one of the main visuals. Like you see him more than anything else. It's really weird, like because because uh, Tomie is in the in the OP as well, but not nearly as much. Like and if and you yeah. think like if there was going to be a like flagship face of you know Junji Ito, it would be like something from Uzumaki, something from Gyo, or something from Tomie. Like those are kind of the big yeah. ones, I think. Especially Tomie. Tomie, I think is. Prior to his mainstream success with stuff like, yeah, I think Uzumaki has gotten really big in the last few years, but I think generally speaking, Tomie is the thing that he has been more well known for for the longer oh. time. And Tomie is 
great, don't get me wrong. But yeah, way better than Suichi. And it's it's to the point that I did not recognize most of the titles. Like I I've I had read most of these episodes already mm-hmm. uh, l- leading up to this, but I didn't recognize the names with the exception of like Shiver. I was like, oh, I guess I've never read that one before. <laughs> and after watching Suichi's Convenient Curse and seeing the opening with him all over the place, I was like, are these all Suichi stories? Yeah. It's it's weird that that's like where they're hanging their hat, you know what I mean? Like this yeah. is this is what we're kind of basing um like this is kind of our motif, I guess, is is so we, like again, it it feels like it kind of cheapens the overall like body of work that they're adapting here. Like mm-hmm. that that you know, the the best foot you have to put forward is this fucking joke character. Yeah. Yeah. And uh it <laughs> No, I think that's that's absolutely dead on. That like that's who they're putting forward. Like I don't I don't understand. I don't understand. <laughs> just the dis- like straight up this just popped into my head and I'm like I'm like trying to evaluate within myself if this is like totally out of pocket or not, but like my my heart is telling me right now this show feels like it was made by like an AI. Like <laughs> this feels like it was just just somebody th- somebody just dumped a bunch of Junji Ito content into a fucking deep like a, a machine learning <laughs> algorithm and it spat out a script and a and a and a storyboard and they were like sure this is what we're doing I guess all yeah, hail the machine. No, it's good. <laughs> That's fucking dead on. Uh, it's no, it's, I, I it's agree frustrating. 100%. It's upsetting because there's so much potential. Even like, and it doesn't even have to live up to like. It doesn't even have to live up to the source material. That's not what I've been saying here. Like, take JoJo's for example. I think uh, the JoJo's Bizarre Adventure anime, uh, visually at least, is way worse than the manga. But it makes up for it in other aspects. Like, there are things that they wanted to come across in that show that come across beautifully. I think it's absolutely worth watching. But you should also read it. Mm-hmm. There's there's nothing to this that you don't get out of the comics. Except the song yeah. from the Long Dream, that was great. That's I, I've got that. I've listened to that like five times today. It's a great song. Yeah, there there are moments where it it, it reaches this like level of greatness that it it if only it could hold on to it. But yeah, but it, it's, it's it feels like an accident, doesn't it? It feels like a just a, yes. a mathematical coincidence. <laughs> like, right there, they were just like, "Well, we're an anime. You have to have music on this part." So they put music over it, and they're like, "Yeah, oh, oh, okay, cool." <laughs> it's so weird. So let's wrap this up. Let's talk okay. about episode six. Um, Window next door is the first story. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually, prior to watching this, I hadn't actually read Window Next Door, and I really, really I really liked reading it. Um, and I feel like the adaptation was okay, except for so the premise is like there's a this there's this kid moves into this new house, he lives upstairs, and the only and their neighbor has a window that's right across from his, and there's this woman who nobody can get a hold of, but at night she tries to talk to him and yeah. he opens this window and she's this spooky looking woman. She's got um, all these pustules on her face and she's just gross and she's got these long teeth. She's nasty. Yeah. And she's got all this like gaudy jewelry on and, and in, this awful I'm bowl not, cut, just the worst awful bowl cut. Yeah. And it's, 
it's fairly spooky in the manga and in the anime she look i've been watching a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh lately and she looks like a Yu-Gi-Oh card like, <laughs> you you put a little border around her like she's she could be just like gaudy mistress and it would work <laughs> just fine no i could absolutely see that she's like a like a ghost demon card or something like that and she's got an effect like i don't know yeah I mean, Yugi's Yugi's battling against him, and the guy I summon, Gaudy Mistress, and she reaches across and like messes up his like board or whatever. Yeah, you know? yeah. like it's it's so <laughs> she does not look great. And they the sh- this adaptation works the best when they decide not to focus on her. Like, there's a part where they you just see her hands like reaching for oh, him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that part works really well. And I also noticed that it was like CG, like it wasn't animated. It was uh, by hand, right. but it it worked. And like I was like, this is the part of the episode that's working the best. Honestly, like um, early on, like uh, around episode two, where I had that thought, like, oh, maybe there's some more thought put into this. Um, and and I think if there was, they should have like tried to go for a more like abstract and like weird angle. Um, the the anime series that came to mind is. Have you ever seen? Uh, You'd, you'd either know it as The Flower of Evil or Aku no Hana. Have you ever heard of that? No, I haven't. Uh, it is an entirely rotoscoped anime. It's kind of like a um, like a Scanner Darkly, I guess, if you're familiar mm-hmm. with it. But, um, yeah, it's it's uh, it's an entirely rotoscoped anime. It's really interesting. And, um, like, the, the rotoscope nature of it actually gives it a really, like, off-kilter, really, like, uncomfortable feel that really works for uh, for the premise of it. And, oh, like... Yeah, I'm looking at these images. These are yeah. fucking crazy. No, to- give that a watch if you're looking for something, like, unsettling. It's, it's really interesting. Um, the manga is better, but like it's the anime is still worth a watch. Something I can't say for this. Uh, but <laughs> <laughs> that that shot with the hands, it's just one of those another glimpse of like something that like this could have been so much more. Like honestly, they could have done the entire thing in that style, and that would have been way more interesting. Yeah, and there's there's a part where he first sees her, and she's like covered in shadow, and. Uh, Maybe the manga did it as well, so that's why they did it. I don't remember it like frame by frame, I think but it I was did. like, "Oh, that's that's a good call. Don't show this weird spooky lady." And then they immediately show the spooky lady in like perfect lighting and all this. I'm like, "Fuck, come on, guys!" <laughs> I I I'm trying to remember because like I didn't I didn't reread it, but this is one that I actually had read uh, at one point. Um, as I recall, they did take a little longer to reveal it, and like they the the collection anime did like re replicate that that panel like shot you know as closely as possible um yeah. but obviously like way less detail and it didn't really have the pacing of it like when when you see it in the anime it's just like yep there she is in in the manga there was a real like build up to it like he's hearing the voice and he's kind of peering around like where could it be and then he finally looks through the window and there it is and it's like you it's like the page turn where you like you turn the page and it's this big spread across both pages and it's just terrifying you know mm-hmm. um and that pacing did not exist in this episode of the anime <laughs> at all. It's just like, there she is. And guess what? It's a still fucking picture. Her mouth doesn't move while she talks. You're just going to stare at this uh, shitty replica for like 15 seconds. And then we're going to move on with our day. Yeah. It's real fucking disappointing. Cause like, this is one of the, the, the Jinji Ito stories. That I feel like, like right, it's right in the middle where I like, you know, it's maybe not his best work, but I enjoy it, you yeah. know? Um, 
where it's like, here's a spooky premise. Here's something that like, oh, your parents don't believe you. And also there's this woman and she's trying to like get you and kill you. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. And it ends with a very like creepy, but also like, haha, I told you guys I was right kind of ending. Like, you know, the endings where it's like, uh, oh my God, it turns out they did die after all or something. Yeah. Those are fine, but I, I like... I, I like the here's a big spooky flashy ending and I was right. I don't know. I, I like how this one ends. Yeah, there was some good stuff going on with uh, the ending of, of or I guess it's like an interesting premise. It's another one of those like I guess one where I maybe don't want to figure out the like thematic I, okay, I'm not going to try and level any sort of uh, allegation at Junji Ito for being like a xenophobe or anything of the sort but like, you know, the the first reading of it that I read was, uh, that I saw was like, oh, it's like this idea of these encroaching, like an encroaching neighbor, like moving closer and closer in a place that you cannot escape from um, like, you know, mm. immigration but, uh, and I don't, <laughs> oh, again I, I- and yeah. again, I don't think that's yeah. the case. I think that's me being dumb as shit. Like, do not take that seriously yeah, at all. I, I, yeah, I don't, I, I don't quite read it that way. But no, I, no, I, I no, no, see, no. I could see that. Yeah. yeah, like maybe if I spent a day like actually thinking about it, maybe I'd come to a much smarter conclusion. Because, um, again, acknowledging I'm fucking dumb. That's not what he was saying, I bet. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's another one of those like where it's it's spooky, but it's not really grounded in anything that actually makes me like... I'm not going to stay up thinking about that story from the manga or the comic. It's just like, Oh, that's, that's scary. Dude's got a next door neighbor. What's going to, what looks real scary. And it's going to get to him at some point. You know, that's, I wouldn't want that to happen. You know? So, so see, I feel, I feel slightly differently because, uh, when I was a kid, I watched this movie. Um, I'll put an image of it in the fucking podcast. But <laughs> I can't remember the name of it, but basically it's like aliens invade and they start taking, over people's minds and the only person who knows that it's aliens is this kid and um uh the kid is trying to convince people like no they're aliens like don't listen to them and all that uh shit because i'm a child and i say shit now um and so he's he's like you know he's trying to do all this stuff and nobody believes him yeah and then at the end of the movie he um he wakes up. He's like, "Oh, it was a dream. Oh, oh, I'm okay." Like, but his parents are like, "No, you're fine. It was just a dream. Go back to bed." He's like, "Oh, fucking thank God, it was just a dream." And he go- starts to go back to sleep, and then he looks out his window again, and there's the fucking aliens landing, and that's how it uh... ends. And I remember I saw that as a kid, and it has stuck with me. I'm a 30 year old man, and I'm still <laughs> like the idea of people not believing me about a problem I'm having frightens me to my core now yeah that seems like another instance of us like looking having i guess having a focus on two different aspects like i'm focusing on the neighbor you're focusing on the dude's parents and i think you're i think you're more on the money with this one uh like that's that seems to be the focus is that like you know the main character's parents like just don't believe that there's this spooky shit going on across the you know the uh, across from the window there and um yeah, that's like that's that's of course like a really terrifying concept, right? Like the <laughs> idea of like something awful is happening and nobody will believe you. And that that's kind of the same as uh as fashion model a little bit. Like, you know, dude yeah. saying like this lady gives me the creeps, let's fucking ditch her and everybody's like you're you're fucking nuts until it's too late. Yeah. Um so yeah, it's it's a it's a a pretty good one. There had like the the manga anyway had some really interesting visual elements to it. 
Um, it's just another one where, like, aside from, like, that scene with the hands, I guess, like, there there wasn't much, or if anything, that, they, that the adaptation added to it. It's just like, yeah. yep, that it's based on a good comic and it's faithful enough that it's good because it was a good comic. There we go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's, I think we, I, I don't know if you have a lot to talk about with the gentle goodbye or the lingering goodbye. I like The Sixth um, Sense. That was a good movie. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think it's a, it, it's a fine story and I think it's a fine adaptation. Um, I don't have a ton to say about this one, except for my, it's got my favorite fucking part of like, incompetent fucking execution of style. <laughs> there is a part where, so there's a twist at the end. It turns out that the person that you thought was alive is not alive. Uh-huh. And um, <laughs> so he, the guy is like, um, yeah, you're a ghost. You're an afterimage because uh, you got hit by a car uh, like a, a few days before we were gonna get married. <laughs> And the way they present the scene is they show the shot of her after she's been hit by the car. So uh-huh. she's like upside down. She's like flailing around. And, uh, you know, it's it's terrible because she's been hit by a car. Yeah. So she's upside down. She's flipped all like that. And then they play the sound of the car screeching and hitting a person. So it looks like she was upside down and then got hit by a car. <laughs> Maybe that's a really minor detail, but I was cracking up when it happened. <laughs> she was just do like, okay, here's what happened. So she she and her fiance walking home after a night of drinking, and she goes, "Did you know I used to do karate?" And she she proceeds to show him a <laughs> sick fucking a dope ass triple back handspring, and then it turns out she went a little too far, went into the street, got hit far. by the truck, bam. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, we all want to impress our dates and whatnot, but yeah. uh, got to be careful. If, if listen, if I could do a triple back handspring and also was not in a committed relationship for the past four years, I'd be doing that on every <laughs> date possible. I would, I would have a Tinder account specifically to ask people if they wanted to see me do a triple back handspring. <laughs> No, dude. Yeah, you gotta you gotta make the most of your talents, right? Like, if you're a charming person, you're charming. You know, if you're smart, you you show them things. You know, if you can do a fucking triple back handstand or whatever it's called, fucking do it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You gotta show your stuff. You know. Yeah. Staring at the blank page before you, you gotta open up the dirty window, let the sun sun illuminate the words you can't find reaching. Um. Anyway, so. <laughs> You know that song. Yeah, no, I know I know roughly what you're you gotta talking feel about. the rain um, so, on your skin. <laughs> before before we move on, do you have anything that you wanna say about gentle goodbye slash lingering goodbye? I already I already said it. Backhand springs are cool. I like the sixth sense as a movie. Yeah. That's about it. It's it's a good story, but the manga's the hey, believe it or not, the manga's better. <laughs> um and also, for the record, this is not, like, my favorite Jinji Ito story either. Like, I read through it again, and I was like, oh, yeah, that was fine. Whatever. Sure, it's fine. Yeah, perfectly fine. Yeah. Um, Natasha Bedingfield, that's the name of the person who wrote that song. That was driving me crazy. <laughs> okay, so we're, we're, we're hitting the end of our talking about this anime. Uh-huh. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change up the... 
uh, grading system here because this is the oh. Halloween episode. Oh right? fuck! Okay, yeah, hit okay. Me. So, so usually, so usually we have our grading system, but I'm going to change it up a little bit. So, is it total um, spooky garbage? Mm-hmm. Is it? <laughs> or is it? Uh, Bring it on home. You can do keep it. Keep watching. <laughs> it's it's just the same thing, but with an accent. Um, okay. I was really really hoping I could come up with something as I was saying it, but <laughs> I, I've had a few beers, so whatever. Likewise. Uh, so total garbage. Uh, or keep watching, Bakery. Ah. Uh... Uh, yeah, I got it. This is tough. Like, it's 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 spooky spooky garbage, but like with an asterisk <laughs> next to it. Because like, if Junji Ito's manga didn't exist and this came out, I'd be like, wow, this is really interesting. Like, you know, visuals could could use a little more polish. But like, yeah, this is great. Uh. But mm. those comics do exist, and you can read them uh, for free if you know where to look. So, like, <laughs> there's really, again, there's, you don't get anything out of watching this before you read the manga, and you certainly don't get anything out of watching it after you read the manga. So there's just not really a, uh, I couldn't ever recommend this to anybody, nor do I have any sort of inclination to continue watching it. I may watch the Tomie OVA just because, like, that's funny. Like, I want to see them try to try to fit that into an episode. Yeah. No, I, I think I think we should maybe either do like a bonus episode or something. But like, I, I am extremely curious how they handle the Tomie. Yeah. Stuff, so. Maybe maybe we'll just talk about it like during the, the next hangout section or something. Um, that, that'll work for me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. How, how are you feeling on it? Uh well hold on I want I want to hear your official rating is it total garbage is it uh, it's 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 total garbage but like with an asterisk <laughs> like it's um, okay. bad because oh, something oh, else yeah, exists yeah, yeah. I, I I see what you're saying yeah I, I definitely put this in the the total garbage category um but it's like it feels funny for me to put it there because I I like a it hurts me to say that a Jinji Ito thing is bad. Right. And then it also, it's like, I so, so desperately wish that this was an eh. And the fact that I wish that it was an eh, this is like, that's so disappointing that I don't even <laughs> wish it was great. I just wish it was fine. Yeah. That's the thing is like, uh, <laughs> I feel like in the right hands, like if you put this in the hands of like fucking, uh, uh, what's his name? Masaki Yuasa. Or if you put this in the hands of like, the 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 people who made like the Monogatari series like this would yeah. be a banger that's the thing like it, it doesn't even have to follow it perfectly it's just like let them do what they do and it would be a banger because they're working with Juji Ito stories but like instead it's just kind of this completely forgettable thing like i watched yeah. half the episodes earlier today and i i'm already forgetting them i can feel my brain go through the process of dumping this for more sonic trivia <laughs> just just clearing memory and all that <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely i yeah i it, it, it's it's disappointing because it, it's better than i thought it would be but it's not good enough that i want to watch more of it even remotely like yeah it uh, 
It does. It like you know, going back to a billion hours ago, whenever we talked about it, like I love Jinji Ito's work. Like yeah. I think his stuff is so good, and everything that I have read has been, at, you know, at, at at worst, like well, that was that was really solid, and at best, like this is one of the greatest things I've ever read. Yeah, yeah, and and this show just is so like, ugh, why am I like? I, I, I honestly would have stopped after, like, episode two if it weren't for this podcast. I'm almost positive that's exactly where I stopped uh, when when I watched it when it came out. <laughs> that's, like, I'm pretty yeah. sure that's exactly where I stopped. <laughs> um, well, all right. So that's, that's roughly the end of the episode here. Uh, I hope y'all are, either have had or are going to have a happy Halloween. Yeah. Uh, quarantine sucks, but, you know, make the most of it. Dress up. Hang out with your friends with a webcam. It's a good time. Yeah. Don't go to any Halloween parties. Don't go trick-or-treating. Oh, God, I, I hope yeah. I hope if you're listening to this, you already have decided not to go trick-or-treating. I mean, unless you're just an adult who does that. I guess I'm just saying I don't. It feels inappropriate for kids. Um, yeah. Yeah. Don't yeah. don't don't put yourself out there. You know, let's all be safe and yeah. everything. Let's have us. A safe Halloween and get absolutely ripping fucking drunk at home. Exactly. Yeah. You know, play some, play some Among <laughs> Us. Play some. Uh, I don't know. Resident Evil Seven is on Game Pass now. You can go and play that. You know, there's plenty there of spooky, scary things you can do in the comfort of your own four walls uh, that don't involve you going out and endangering everybody that you know and love. So, um, yeah, wear a mask or just stay inside. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, next episode, we're going to get back on schedule. We're going to release the Space Brothers episode. Uh-huh. Um, we had a couple of hiccups. We got a little too drunk the last time we recorded. We sure did. But that episode will be up, uh, a, you know, kind of early uh, November, I'm hoping. Uh, and then we'll get into something after that. But I also want to talk about, in a future episode, I don't know when, we're going to talk about the manga Chainsaw Man. Yes. It's kind of a a break of uh, a, a change of pace for us. So if you're, if you've heard about Chainsaw Man and you want to join us in that conversation, start reading. Cause we're going to talk about the whole thing. Cause I you can get through it. it. You can get through that in like a couple sittings, probably one if you're dedicated enough. Um, and it's sick. And it's also if you're cool looking for something hell. spooky, Chainsaw Man is pretty spooky. Honest. Yeah. Honestly. Yeah. Like that's, that's like, I don't know. Spooky. It's like spooky and also depressing and also exhilarating and also oh yeah just great and fucked up and wonderful and like boy the first few chapters really don't prepare you for what's going to happen but uh it's it's great it's the most fun I've had reading any sort of reading anything in a long ass time Yeah absolutely I dude I am with you 100% yeah mm-hmm. it is my is I just I just spend a long hey I'm going to throw this out there I spent a long time talking about how much I love Jinji Ito Chainsaw Man is my favorite manga. Ooh, hot damn. Okay. Bam. Yeah. So if you thought manga. I loved Jinji Ito, fucking read Chainsaw Man, folks. Damn. <laughs> yeah, that's that is as strong as a as a cosign as we can give it. It is Stu's favorite manga above Junji Ito, which he owns like all of them pretty much. Don't argue I have, with that. I have like a whole shelf dedicated to it. It's I've got probably a whole shown shelf. it like eight times in this YouTube. Video, so. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah, that's that's another one on the books. We 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 done did it. Halloween. 
did it. We and we did a we did a special Halloween episode. I can't wait till we try to figure out what the fuck we're gonna do for a Christmas episode. Oh, God forbid a Thanksgiving episode. Uh, wait. Okay, I gotta I gotta just put the kibosh on the on the on the Thanksgiving episode now. It's like Thanksgiving. <laughs> Thanksgiving only exists in America and it shouldn't even exist here Oh, uh, and Canada. Sorry, but yes. it, it only exists in these two countries and it shouldn't even exist here. So, like, I, I don't know what the fuck we do for Thanksgiving uh, Christmas, though. Uh, what you want to love? We want to watch Love Hina. They have a Christmas special. There we go. We should just watch six Christmas specials, <laughs> and six different animes. We no, we watch six. We watch. We watched Detective Conan, but only the Christmas specials. Oh, shit. All right. I'm actually kind of on board for that one. <laughs> yeah, I'm into that, too. <laughs> oh, I like that. Perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, enjoy the rest of your afternoon or night or morning or whenever you listen to this, folks. Uh, yeah. We'll be back with six more episodes of another anime next time. We sure will. Uh, thanks for listening. If you wanna, if you wanna follow us mm. on Twitter or anything of the sort, well, on Twitter really. Uh, I am <laughs> at Bakfu B A K F U U, and I'm Hentai Pizza Lord on uh, Twitter. There, yeah, no, good call on the plugs there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> great, yeah. Happy Halloween. Don't watch the Junji Ito collection. Do read Junji Ito manga. Um, stay safe. Wear a mask. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's all I got. Ooh, I don't have anything to say here. I'm just going to do a spooky <laughs> voice to track us out. Yeah, Ooh. the music's now rolling already, I'm sure. listen to really good outro here. Ooh. <laughs>